You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com, on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter, and take your first step into a larger world. again everybody it's episode 109 of the tumbling saber podcast glad to be with you my name's kyle my name's Corey, and no james not yet anyway he might join us later he may not we'll see uh but what's what's going on Corey? how how was your weekend uh yeah same old same old except for uh i mean we got nailed with a snowstorm such odd weather like raining raining in the afternoon and then followed by freezing rain to complete and utter like downfall like plus oh, eight yeah. plus eight to like minus 25 <laughs> yeah i was i was talking to ads offline and uh <laughs> yeah i was telling them like it was you know well above freezing for much of the week with rain melting the snow that we already had and then it just just like that temperature drops below freezing again we get an absolute downpour of snow and uh yeah a foot a foot and change later we're outside having the quintessential Canadian morning, shoveling driveways and kids playing in the snow, pushing drivers, pushing neighbors out of their driveways as they all inevitably get stuck. It's just the way it is. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, it took me probably, about, I don't know, 45 minutes to prepare to go get coffee in the morning. Whereas usually it should take like five minutes there, five minutes back. You really have to be addicted. To, to caffeine in the morning, right? Like, don't why don't you have a coffee maker? Yeah, well, you know, whatever. It was something to do. I probably did get a few <laughs> other things too. <laughs> Boy, are you that like unoccupied that? Well, I wanted to clean the driveway, get the car cleaned <laughs> off as well. You know, like oh man, that must have taken a while. Yeah, it did. Um, so aside from that, and I guess nothing new, right? And when when you get a foot and change of snow, it kind of puts a damper on any plans you might have. But. uh so I Actually, guess you, you you didn't squeeze in any more viewings of The Last Jedi? No, no, I didn't. But uh, this week would be a good week if the weather, seal the weather is anyhow. Because that's a factor right now, unfortunately. It but, is. It is. And well, you know what? It's, it lost about 1,200 theaters this weekend, which means it's starting that, that downward spiral to cinematic oblivion. Don't say it, man. Don't <laughs> say it. I definitely got to get out there again. For sure, I have to see it. Hopefully, yeah, we'll have word as hurry to... Up. Yeah. But uh, I did manage to get out there, went out with my neighbor, actually, um, played in a poker tournament. That was kind of fun. It was not too far. It was like five minutes from my house, so. That's not bad. Uh, I guess I get, I get the priority list here. Poker, somewhere down the list is The Last Jedi. Well, whatever. Five minutes away compared to, you know, yesterday. Just This weekend <laughs> wasn't the, the weekend to be traveling around, really, to be honest. Uh, no. All right, so you know what? Something pretty amazing happened last week. Despite all the lousy up-and-down weather, uh, something pretty cool happened. You know, I, I, got a, I got a DM from uh, Stu Baca, who we love, uh, and he had something really, really amazing to say. So I'm, I'm just going to share that with, with you and with everybody. So via DM, we were going back and forth. And then he says, As you know, I've been a Star Wars fanatic for 40 years. There's been the odd quiet spell in that time, but it's always been there. Books, toys, video, cards, it's its part of me in some way or, not, or form. 
but I've kind of been introvert in my fandom. I'm lucky my wife Kelly has always been a fan of the films, even before we met, and she will always go to a con or celebration with me, but she's not a super fan like us. Ella is also a fan, and we have some fantastic in-depth conversations about the films, but it's not her main fandom. I've been on social media for a few years now and listened to a few Star Wars podcasts, and they were slash are very good. Tumbling Saber changed fandom for me. Your good self, Corey, James, Carlos, and everyone involved with Tumbling Saber have become good friends, someone to talk not just Star Wars, but whatever is on our minds. The podcast is incredible. I look forward to every episode. I listen in the lorry, sorry, truck, (laughs) and it's like having good friends on the road with me. So I'm rambling a bit. I never realized I could love Star Wars even more than I did, but I do, and that's down to you guys, and I will be forever grateful. May the Force be with you, Stu. Isn't that amazing? No, that's that makes my that makes my week, man. That makes my year. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's January, man. <laughs> yeah, well, still to get off to a good start, then, Stu. That's really nice of you to say, man. And I know you're there for me, man. You're there for all of us. You're there for all of fandom, man. You were the man. Yeah, no, Stu, Stu is but one of the bright lights in the Star Wars Commonwealth fan listening friend community, and we are we are just so grateful. But that's you know that's amazing. You know, I I I didn't know what impact we would have, if any in doing this I, you know it was purely going to be for us just to talk about star wars and then you know we, we actually have an effect on somebody that it, it puts their fandom back over the top after four decades i thought that was pretty incredible yeah, that means a lot but it doesn't stop there Corey. it didn't right. stop there uh so i came home from work one day and there's a package at my front door a familiar looking package i bring it inside who's this from i could tell it's from the uk but there's no I can't. I don't remember if there was a name on the box, a return name. So I crack it open, and it's. I definitely recognize the packaging. It's the same packaging that I sent out to Stu when we sent him Trevor the the 40th anniversary Tuscan Raider. I said, "Well, is Stu is Stu sending him Trevor back? Is he out? Is this is this Stu's telling us he's leaving? No. What Stu actually did in in its place is send us a." Black Series Ray figure and a Black Series Scarif Trooper Squad Leader, the three and three quarter versions, with a note saying, uh, I just wanted to pitch in and help with you guys uh, with gifts for powerful friends. Dude, that's Which, so awesome. Like, blown away. Just out of the blue, unsolicited. Here's a package. Put this out there for the powerful friends. Oh, man, that's so cool. So, that is the kind of guy. Stu is and the type of the type of people that you find in this this community so Stu thank you so so much I, I wanted to make this public it deserves acknowledgement beyond just uh, a simplistic email and DM chain so Stu you are incredible we are very very lucky to have you sir yeah honestly like I'm all taken aback right now this is a surprise to me like you should have told me beforehand Kyle like I, I love a good surprise but now I'm all like verklempt <laughs> Sorry, man. You're getting soft in your old age. I've always been a softie, you know that. Oh, I know that. Uh, All right, so you know what? (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, you know how Rob Wade sends us uh, things every now and then, every now and then when, when we get a review or some kind of update that doesn't necessarily filter down to the actual podcast owners? Well, we got we got another message that we're doing well in a foreign market. We're up to number 24 in TV and film. Not not in Kazakhstan as it was a couple weeks ago. 
But now we're doing super well. Number 24 TV and film in Mongolia. Yes. Yes. I. That was... I, I, I can't even tell you how much I wanted to do this well. 24 is my lucky number. Griffey Jr. I was born on the 24th. You know? That's my number. That's But, this, uh, but to hit that height in Mongolia... Thank you, everybody in Mongolia listening. That is, that's incredible. <laughs> How many people do you think it takes to get up to that level in Mongolia? You think we have like three listeners in Ulaanbaatar? I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> okay, well, well, get get a little more clarity here. Let's let's talk about some collecting updates. Anything to share this week? You had, you just had a birthday. Do you have anything there you want to talk about? Uh, I do actually. Um, uh, gift wise, uh, I think I have to say that you got me the best gifts. Me? Yeah. Well, actually, it's it's a it's a merge of Christmas and my birthday, but still, they were pretty awesome, man. I have to say, they were. Um, Kyle actually got me hindsight, um, which is a, a novel by. Our good friend Matthew Keegan, a story by uh, Mark Godsiff and Paul Jones. Yeah, I've a, cracked into it, man. It's it's good. It's a, it's, a brilliant it's tapestry of time travel. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyhow, I'm I'm super excited to get my hands on that. And then Kyle actually got me um, Jaina Solo, the six inch black series, which I've sought after. Kind of, I've never seen it once in stores. You know, I've seen all kinds of photos of people posting it around everywhere. Like, everybody's got one, but not me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Kyle got me one, and I, I don't know why I want this character so much. Like, I've read a lot of the Expanded Universe, like, way back in the day, and it's all fine and dandy. But I think, I don't know, I read a few of those. I think they were, like, Yaw novels. I tried to look them up, but I, I couldn't really find too much on them. But um, an ex of mine, basically, she, when we were in high school, she got me, like, two or three of them. And I remember reading them, and... I was kind of into Jason and Jaina for a bit. But uh, anyway, it was badass character. And then as well, you got me uh, Fen Rao, which is, well, I don't know, uh, the heel turn with him. I, I just wanted him. I saw him in stores once and then never again. And yeah, I don't know. I just I love his character, like um, Kevin McKidd. I don't know if you know who it is. He I does do the not. voice. Yeah, Google him. You'll you'll know his face right away. He did a few. Uh, I believe he was on like um, Grey's Anatomy. He he had his own show in the early early turn of the century about time travel on Fox. I believe he's done a few different things, and he's he's done a lot of voice work for like Call of Duty things like that. And I knew his voice was familiar, so when I finally Googled it, I was like, oh wow! Like, just made it all that much better because I was like, actually, like I love when you see a big name kind of doing Rebels. It's like wow, because he's not a no name actor, right? So that was kind of cool. Uh, anyway, you got me him, and that bam, that kind of just made my birthday. I was really appreciative of that. I mean, they're, they're still in the mail, but they're coming. Right. <laughs> wink, wink. Well, what did you get me again? Uh, can't remember. Can't remember, man. <laughs> Daredevil? What? Um. Hey, dude. Get. Have you been following the the, the Disney toy box figures? Not all that previously much, only yeah there was like the the there was Ray Kylo and a first order stormtrooper that was oh. really it as the first wave I want them quite badly but I think you can only get them through Disney 
which sucks because that just makes things really expensive. But they keep pushing it. Now there's there's a second wave of Vader, Luke, Boba Fett, and Leia. And they look so good, man. They look so good. The, the Luke is completely redone, I think, from... I think they're just sort of redos of the Disney Infinity line. And at least with the second wave, the Vader, Boba Fett, and Leia look exactly like that. Just, but these ones, these ones are opposable, no? Right. Yeah, they have they have articulation to them. The Luke looks totally redone, and it looks so cool. It's still farm boy Luke with the lightsaber, but it's so nice. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was the kidding. longer I wait, the harder it's going to be to get into these. Bah, that's it. I mean, you want to collect them all? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? Uh, I don't know. They, I. I love the Infinity thing just because they went at a price point of like when Infinity went bust. Like these things were selling for like two bucks a pop, so that w- that was kind of awesome uh, at that price. Yeah, why not snatch them all up? But price point is a big thing for me. Like maybe for certain characters, like I'll maybe round up the Rebels crew or something like that. Like get a, like a little set. But uh, but it's it's yeah. still unforgivable that they never released Hera. Oh yeah, that's lame. unforgivable. Yeah, super lame. So nothing else to on the collecting update. Oh, yeah, not too much. I mean, yeah, those those kick those were some awesome awesome toys he got me there. Like I really wanted those ones, and I knew at a point I was like, okay, if I'm gonna get them, I'm gonna have to go online. Because yeah, Fen Rao, you're never gonna find him in stores again. I I highly doubt it anyhow, unless you're at a con or not around here anyhow. I don't know why. For some reason, I think there's like a cone of silence. Or some kind of embargo on our market. It's just been so difficult to find certain figures. They just they just don't arrive. They don't show up. Yeah. Radis. So frustrating. Radis, I saw once. You saw Fen Rao once. I I I have yet to see Jaina Solo. Carlos said that he had a couple at his local Toys R Us. But aside from that, nothing no. It was a, yeah, it was Toys R Us. He he has a Walmart boycott, right? Indeed. <laughs> All right, that's it. No more collecting update for this week. Um, already, Corey, The Last Jedi is a month old. Can you believe that? It's been a month. Yeah. yeah. I can believe it. I mean, a lot's happened in between. But it's been an holidays. insane month. Yeah. We had the holidays, and we had the, this atomic bomb of a movie go off in our face. Like For me, it doesn't feel like a month. Like It's just been complete chaos for me, at least the last 30 days or so. Well, I agree with you, but it kind of feels like that way for me just because there's been a few snowstorms and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I guess that's added to it. But um, look, there we go. The movie is starting to, I guess, wane at the box office now. It's it's going to probably creep to $1.3 billion globally and, you know, might slightly peak over that. But uh, that's that's probably going to be it. That's going to be where that movie lands, unless it hasn't opened in other markets yet that I'm unaware of. Uh, so that that's going to be it, I think, for The Last Jedi. $1.3 billion and change, which, you know, some people will still paint that as a failure because it, uh, it didn't meet expectations, whatever those were. Um, I think it's kind of silly. but The Force uh, Awakens got what globally? <clears throat> 1.7, I think? No, it, it passed 2. Passed 2, eh? Yeah. I want to say 2.2, think... 2, but I, I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. But nobody expected this movie to come anywhere close to, to The Force Awakens. I mean, some fans did, sure. But fans can say all kinds of crazy things. But analysts, people who, who do this for a job, I don't think anybody said this is going to surpass or even come anywhere close. I can't remember what we we were saying. I was either like 1.44 or 
Yeah, I think or, we. Yeah, I think we're all kind of the seven. I can't remember. I think one point seven sounds high. One point four, one point five sounds about right. I don't remember what episode it was that we did those predictions. I, I I bet we did more than one round just to muddy the waters a bit. Well, you know, I hope all those who still want to get out there and see it, get out there and see it because man, like, well, the clock's ticking, man. Yeah, but this is this is a great movie to see in cinema as well. Like, oh, no doubt. The, the <laughs> I mean, visuals. Star Star Wars is always a must see in cinema. It's always a must-see in cinema, and most people have already done it once. But once you, yeah, you get it at home, and everybody now has HD TVs. But it's not the same if you don't have the sound system to go with it. Eh. Yeah, that theater experience, man. That big screen. Oh man, it's going down. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, everybody should just rush out there one more time, take it in one more time, and then uh, you know, March twenty seventh will be here before you know it. Okay, so Corey, it's been a tough couple of weeks in terms of news. Maybe even more than a couple of weeks. It's it's been dry as a bone. Nothing going on. Well, there's a few things floating around, but yeah, nothing nothing tantalizing. Nothing where we're like, oh wow. It's just it's everything's sort of like Fallout from the Last Jedi and fan speculation stuff like that. That's well, to be expected. Uh, yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, I guess you got to let this stuff air out before we move on. I guess maybe that's what Lucasfilm is doing, but. Yeah, we're we're waiting on news and nothing has come through. And I think this past week fans were especially waiting. I think, you know, we were like the butcher's dog at the, behind the shop just waiting for for something to get thrown our way and nothing. And Ron Howard replied to a fan on Twitter regarding uh, a teaser trailer and he said Ron Ron Howard replied and said it won't be long now. And I, I, <laughs> I, I I think many fans were sort of waiting on something last week saying well, <laughs> Won't be long now. Could mean minutes from now. It could mean hours. It could mean a couple days. I I really think people were were keyed up for a release last week, and then um, you know the Star Wars show was coming back Wednesday afternoon. So people said, "Oh, they're going to drop us drop a Han Solo trailer on us to, to uh, for the return in 2018." And they didn't do that. I mean, what they did do was pretty cool. They're, you know, the shows are always like what seven to eleven minutes or so, but this was like a almost a half an hour of of sitting with the story group and talking about little little cool uh, connective tissue things in The Last Jedi and how how those things came about, which it was fun to watch. Yeah, super fun. It was really awesome. Yeah, but I don't th- I don't think it was what fans were waiting for. Like, give us that goddamn trailer. And then so we turned our attention to Rebels. Can we have a Rebels trailer at least? Nope. Can't have that either. So, uh, you know, Good Morning America. Please, please. Nope. <laughs> well, well, aside from the Super Bowl, is there anything else you can think of at the moment that's that's coming up in the near future? Is there? I don't even know if there's a movie coming in the next couple of weeks. No, but no, they're gonna. It's not. It really won't be long for Han Solo. It could even be this week. I wouldn't be surprised if it's this week. It could even. Just, I mean, be don't right get your now. hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. Yeah. <laughs> By the time you hit this, listen to this podcast, it might be out. But uh, yeah. I, don't get your hopes up. Just let it let it wash over you once it hints. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely ready for something fresh to talk about in the news department. How about you? Yeah, somewhat. I still feel like you know, there's there's still a lot of stuff to talk about and break down with the Last Jedi. I mean, we're gonna get the chance to get to that over the the next couple of years, I guess. Oh, I think yeah, we're gonna be talking about this movie for quite some time. No question about that. 
Um, but, I mean, there, there is still some cool stuff that we can talk about. Um, I guess we can start with... Uh, okay, let's start here. So, was it right to kill Luke in The Last Jedi? So, Ryan Johnson was talking with... Uh, was it the Huffington Post? If I'm not mistaken? Yeah. And, uh, all right, so Ryan Johnson did say... Okay, this, here's what he said. He goes, it, it does go back a little bit to what he said at the beginning of The Last Jedi. What do you think one guy walking out there with a lightsaber can can do? The answer is create a legend that will spread hope. And once he's done that, combined with the physical toll it's taken on him, you can make the case that then there's nothing more powerful he could accomplish. You agree with that, Corey? Was it was it right to kill Luke in the Last Jedi? Uh, in a way, like in many, there's many ways of looking at this. There's from a certain point of view, but when he says it like that, and you think about it, like it's not like in your face right off the bat i would have to say like it's something you'd have to like think about for a bit and i I do have to agree with him like he i was super surprised i i honestly 100 percent didn't think that was gonna happen like i thought he was he was coming back at the last minute to like save the day which he did but to stay kind of like then you think about it that's makes it kind of more his story and then which people would have been fine with but we got to realize again that it's it's more Ray and Kylo's story, right? Mm-hmm. And they're continuing that that Skywalker thing. They're in whatever's going on with the Force and and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, when you look at think of it, like creating a legend, it's so true. Like legends were spoken about in, within this movie and within TFA as well. Like these are the things. Like it's gonna be. It's part of the spark, you know, that ignites all the good stuff. <laughs> 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 anyway. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Like this, this kind of thing that people are going to be talking about throughout the galaxy in bars and, and campfires. You know what I mean? Like where are we going to see these guys in the, in the next film? It's the, the possibilities are kind of endless at this point. And it's true. I, I just I love what Luke did there. And I love the way they did it. And like the way that when you think about it, like to me, it's just it's the perfect, perfect way for him to go to have gone. Like he did it his way. Yeah, I mean, I never seriously considered the the idea of Luke dying in eight. That was never even. I mean, I I guess it was it was a possibility, and any you have to put anything on on the table. But I never thought, yeah, I never would have bet, put money on that unless you gave me a ridiculous value for that money. Um, yeah, but I, I, I like you said, I, I love what they did in having him stick to his into to his ideals, uh, giving re- rebirth to the rebellion. From his from that force projection stunt, you know, they, they pulled what Luke could have done in nine and put it into eight, which leaves nine like totally up in the air. I think we we all re- expect Luke to make a return as a ghost. Well, I would hope so. I would th- yeah, I mean, it's come on. You, you think Mark Hamill's going to be in episode nine? Well, again, I hope so. But I think the chances are pretty high. Uh, I think the chances. I think it's almost a lock. It has to be. He's got to be there. Yeah, he really does. He's a big part of this franchise, and again, everybody wants to see it. No, oh, he's he's huge. He's huge. He's Mount Rushmore of of Star Wars. Um, yeah, but the, the first two films in this trilogy, they, they've gone a long way in passing the torch to the new generation, and this is something they've told us. And the further along we go, we have to realize that Lucasfilm is being really honest with us, maybe in cryptic ways. But they've been really honest. They've told us from the start that this trilogy is about passing the torch. 
and I think a lot of times we just kind of blink and nod, uh huh, and we don't really realize what that means. And that means the death of our heroes and the heroes that we grew up with not being the heroes now. And I, I don't know if that ever really sinks in until you actually see it, and then you have to come to grips with that. But I think it makes sense, right? We we got we we got to get past this idea that the old heroes are still the main heroes, the main group. Like they they're not. And no, you know, it's I, true. It's like it's same thing for think about Luke in the original trilogy. Like it was, it came down to him. Like Obi Wan's like, "Yo, man, I can't help." <laughs> Yoda's like, "Me neither. I'm out. <laughs> this is on you." Yeah, when, you, when you think about it as a sort of a, a a cycle of nine movies, the old heroes from the prequel trilogy, one, two, and three, kind of pass the torch off to Luke and Leia and Han. Mostly Luke in this case, but you, you know what I mean, right? Like, Obi-Wan had checked out in protein form in, in episode four, and Yoda was sort of a, a, a non-player except on, on his little hut on Dagobah. That's it. It leaves the main characters in a position where they have to, to act on their own. Like what yeah, Ray is going to have to do. Legs. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, in thinking about this for the podcast, sort of like in, in retrospect, if Luke had stuck around for nine, you know, for the climax of nine, the big battle at the end, which I think as fans were all said, oh, this is going to happen. Ray's going to fight Kylo and Luke's going to fight Snoke and it's going to be epic. And this is the way it's got to be because it's Luke Skywalker and Star Wars and they're closing the saga. And like, I think we all kind of think in that, that way. Like we'd be we'd be expecting him to have this epic battle, but Luke in a big huge showdown with Snoke or whoever, like that overshadows pretty much everything else. When the exactly. story the story is supposed to be about Ray, like we cross this bridge in TFA when when JJ and Lawrence Kasdan realized, or I think actually go back further to Michael Arndt. Yeah, I think it was Michael Arndt that actually came to that realization first that every time he tried to put Luke into the story. Like Luke takes over, so he just make him the MacGuffin, and he's the guy that they'll find at the end. But otherwise, Luke just takes over. So yeah, I'll put it this way: in in, in hindsight, uh, maybe it would have been nice to get a little more Luke in the Force Awakens. Maybe you know, instead of just seeing him at the end, like maybe get well, him in the a, hole. How about if how about if the Force Awakens had have ended where Ray gives him the saber? And then Ray or Luke takes the saber, throws it over shoulder, walks away, and then Iris out to the credits. No, that, that, <laughs> but like they could have started with that and then led you up to a point where I don't know. I think they could have. You know what? I think they could have done that. What's and that? And we would have been saying, you know, WTF, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot for two years. No, Why did Luke it, it throw away too, the saber? It gives too much away. Like that was the big re- one of the big reveals of the movie, right? Like what's Luke gonna do with that saber? It just that was one of the mystery box things, right? Think about it. Yeah, down to that granular detail. What is he gonna do? Is he gonna give it back to her? Is he gonna clip it to his belt? Is he gonna what? Ask but her. We, we kind of knew. Got it. Yeah, where'd you get this? Where's the hand that was attached to it? Um, but we all knew that he wanted no part of this, so. You know, a little, little bit of extrapolation. You could could have figured that he probably wanted didn't want the saber at all either. Anyway, so I, I I just think that it, if you didn't have an epic battle at the at with Luke at the end of nine, uh, fans would be crying, right? 
And fandom would, fandom's been shortchanged. We've been screwed. Like, where's Luke's grand finale? Why didn't we get that? Instead, we got Luke's grand finale in episode eight. And it's, he like, what he did, like Ryan alluded to, like, he couldn't have done anything more powerful. He kind of did, like, you know, we send satellites out to the moon and, like, we have it slingshot past the dark side of the moon and off towards, uh, you know, its, its destination far out in space. That's what Luke has done. He's given taken this dozen or so people, the last remnants of freedom in the galaxy, and he slung, slingshot them around the planet and sent them off to their future. That's what he did. And I can't think of anything else more fitting for Luke to do. Yeah, for sure. Like, once that the legend of Luke Skywalker starts to spread, like, it's it's something, like I said before, like, imagine just hearing that story, like, somewhere where you're, like, in, in an impoverished, impoverished, like, uh, oppressed planet, you know? Like, well, that's, so, like, that's the kids provide at the end, that, right? That, that's Broom Exactly. Boy. Exactly. It provides that hope and that for the future and... And isn't isn't it funny now that that the book that came out last fall, The Legends of Luke Skywalker. And it's it's kind of exactly this. It's this kind of thing, crazy stories about Luke, which may or may not be true, from a certain point of view. But, you know, there's there's still kind of uh, relevant in that none of the stories are, like the headcanon Luke stories that we all had. Anyway. Um, you and I are kind of in agreement. It, it's like if if you and I were both tapped, to, even together, say, can you guys like for, forget the Russo brothers? Can the Russell brothers write episode eight? We would not have killed Luke. We both would have said, no, nah, he's got to go to nine and he's going to do this in nine and blah, blah, blah. We would have been thinking with our fan hat. I won't say that's that's not necessarily the case. Like if you have years, <laughs> bro, you have years to think about this. You know what I mean? We would have been. Well, not that's like, you know, I wouldn't say we would have done it, but I think we would have molded over in the sense that, you know, like, like we just said, this is the kid's story. It's not Luke's story. Like, and if we could have came up with the idea that Ryan did and the way he did it, it's so poignant, man. Like the whole thing, like it kind of starts with Yoda. And then when he shows up there, you're so confused. Like that whole scene, him and Leia then him and Kylo and then back on Acto. And it's like, oh my God, like. It's just amazing. It is. I, I don't think in a million years we would have come up with what what Ryan Johnson came up with. And that's not to say you're idiots or I don't think anybody would have come up with that. It, that's just Ryan Johnson's take. Speak for yourself. <laughs> this is the guy that said he would he would have went 40 for 40 or so. On I our, heard it first. <laughs> on our uh, The Last Jedi super terrific happy hour quiz, right? It was 41 for 40, actually. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll just... Yeah. Never mind. Okay, so uh, Ryan Johnson wasn't done flapping his mouth. Uh, he spoke to Heroic Hollywood about Snoke and going deeper on his backstory. And Ryan said, quote, In this particular story, it's much more like the original trilogy, where with Snoke, if you think about the actual scenes, if I suddenly... I'd paused one of the scenes to give a 30-second monologue about who he was... It would have kind of stopped the scene in its tracks, I realized. Even though it could have been interesting, something that fans were interested in, as storytellers, we have to kind of serve what the scene needs to be. It was a tough thing, even though I knew some fans were interested in it, I also knew it wasn't something that dramatically had a place in this movie. 
Hopefully it can be addressed elsewhere, or even J.J. may address it in the next movie. But it's not something that's particularly interesting to Ray, so we kind of had to follow through. What's your take, Corey? Is, does that make sense to you? I, I, as a fan, as a fan, how do you feel about that? Uh, I feel like it's a little elusive. Um, you know, I hope there is more in the works for Snoke in the small degree. Like he said, like, I don't necessarily think that it would have taken us out of that moment in the movie. I think it would have drawn us in dramatically more to know what this dude's up to at least a little where he came from, what his intentions are or were. Like, this guy was powerful, man. Like, where did he come from? Like, what did he want? What was his end game? Like, if his end game was to eventually just kind of kill Ray, that kind of becomes lame for me. Like, I, you know, with the trailers and all that, like, the movie didn't necessarily insinuate that, but I thought there was something like, like this ancient mystery or, or you know, that was going to be unlocked and all this stuff. Like, but no, that that wasn't the case. So, but I, I'm still very curious of him, and I think that, you know, we could have mentioned a little thing, and I don't think it would have taken us out of the movie, and I think it could have played in favor of Ray. But I still like what he did. It was unexpected, but I would have liked a little more. I, that, that was one of my little complaints about the movie. Like I was like, come on, like you built on him so much. He was this big baddie in one, and. Just kind of like killed him off without knowing really all that much, which kind of, I don't know. I would have liked a little more, again, with this power and his insight and what, he's, what he was able to do was kind of incredible. You know, we've never seen stuff like that before. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> really at all. Um, yeah, for, for me, like the, there's a reason why Snoke never appeared in marketing or on the posters or anything like that. Like he's only relevant to Kylo's ascension. Like I, he just never like whatever his motivations were. Like I still don't really know what they were. Like we know that he wanted the Jedi gone. That's really all we know. Well, that's what I figure. It's kind of like you know, like he had a vision of Rey, kind of like you got to get to this girl before the new Jedi rise. And like again, like he's got her in front of him, and he's like kill her. So, I mean, that seems to be his endgame, but again, I kind of thought it was, like, more to that, like, like you two, touch hands again. Something crazy is going to happen right now. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just bizarre to me. Like, politically, he seemed almost completely disinterested. Like, when, when Hux and TFA tells him the Starkiller is ready and they can take out um, the Republic. And he's, he just kind of waves his hand. He's like, yeah, whatever, do it. Yeah, he had a... It seemed like he had a more of an end game, and again, maybe JJ will be feel the need to, to to write something about that. I'd be surprised. I think we're kind of we're done with him at least in this in this trilogy. I, I agree with you that we're gonna get something about Snoke, whether yeah, it's gonna, a novel gonna... or a one shot comic at the at the minimum. We'll find out more about him. I mean, there's enough fan interest that they'll do something to to scratch that itch. But as He's far as in the movie into... goes, meh, don't care. Kylo's like his Horcrux. His what gonna, now? It's a Harry Potter reference. He can. Ah, I have no idea what you're talking it, about. Anyway, yeah, what like something some people can like splinter their souls and kind of like stash them in like objects. Like, who knows? Maybe he's gonna haunt Kylo. Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe he will. Yep. I mean, I'm not opposed to him having some sort of presence in Nine. Just I I don't care that I don't know more about him. 
I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I, I just kind of. Well, you're saw... you're lucky. I liked those golden robes, all those, those burns, his <laughs> vendetta. Why he wanted, you know, what happened to you, man? Who are you? Where'd you come from? Where? Just, what are you? It was a shaving incident. <laughs> he had a twelve a twelve blade razor and it went bad. How that looks like there was fire involved as well, and a building collapsing. It's the force, man. It works in in weird ways. He had he had yes. uh, Millicent the cat, kind of went into to Snoke's boudoir while he was shaving, and uh, you know he's looking in the mirror and he's kind of shaving himself up. The cat jumps up on the counter, jumps on his neck. He, the blade slips. Oh my god, he's scarred all over the place. If we've learned anything from Spaceballs, it's not to use the force while shaving. No, God no. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. Good lord. Um, yeah. There you go. Like when you think about it, I mean, he's just there as as a, a stepping stone for Kylo, right? Like he's he's there to be somebody for for Kylo to kill in the way that Vader could never do. Like Vader always wanted to kill the Emperor and never liked the guy, just could never do it. But you know that's the thing again that like kind of in a way it almost takes me out of the movie because as a movie goer it's like you almost see that right away. Like once you start to think about it it's like he's just that like and nothing more like i get characters that serve that purpose but this guy again you could have went a bit of the extra mile and given us a little tidbit or something you know and again the the trilogy isn't over and it's not something i I, it has to be answered for me now it looks like you know we could be moving on but i I would have liked some of those answers again just because of the reasons i'd mentioned before well still i mean when you compare this to the ot what did you know about palpatine I know, but nothing. I, you didn't know he. You didn't know he was a senator from Naboo. I mean, we knew. He, did we know he was a senator? Yeah, there was that forward from the, the novelization. But you didn't know he was from Naboo. We didn't know his master was Plagueis. We didn't know anything. We just knew he was this wrinkly old fart, and he wanted to. We didn't know that he. We didn't know until a few years ago in the Tarkin novel about his motivations of controlling reality itself. We just thought that he was just a wrinkly old nut who wanted to. Rule the galaxy. That's and all we knew we, about him. But we at least we got a, like his end game in there. You know what I mean? He was he wanted Luke by his side and like kill your father like right now. You know like that whole thing like wanted Luke to turn like the throne room scene. That was that got pretty intimate at a point. That's still that's not his backstory though. We no, but I mean at least there's there's intent there. Like I don't know, like Snoke didn't want anything really to do with Rey other than her death. It seemed like. Which is fine, I guess, if that's the way you want to write it. But I was kind of expecting a little more just because of his ancient presence and all that stuff. And he almost looks like, uh, what is that? This is super intriguing to me. Uh, what is it? The Jedi Prime or Prime the Prime Jedi? Yeah, that mosaic that? on the floor in the Jedi Temple that Ooh. everybody thinks is Snoke or yes. a member of a species. Yeah, it looked like, kind of mean. It's plausible, I guess. I'm not buying it, but plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. I just I just like the the kind of about face there that Kylo has done what Vader has not or was not capable of doing in in killing his master and becoming the top dog. I like that dynamic now. It's not that he's still going to be the little, the little puppy, the scared little boy underneath his master's thumb. I like that they've changed up the dynamic totally. That's Kylo unchained. That's right. You know this trilogy continues again to dispense with old baggage. 
And it's just, it's keeping a laser focus on these new leads, right? It's, it's all about Ray and it's all about Kylo now. That's it. That's episode nine title. Kylo Unchained. (laughs) That's a bad title, man. Oh yeah. So that's a, that's a dark horse sort of alternate universe story. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure Snoke's back story will be told. Like I said, Lucasfilm does care about fan interest and yeah, given given all the tears spilled over him being killed off so suddenly, we'll get it. We'll we'll, we'll find out. I, I hope it all kind of ties together, and I think it could in the long run too. They probably anyway, like you know the unknown regions and what Palpatine was up to, and looking in there, poking around, what's going on? Something crazy's in there. Sure, <laughs> poking around, something's crazy in there. What? Yeah, you know, he had he set up that uh, the base on. Um... The research post, I think it was, was it Jakku? Uh, yeah, Palpatine had observatories set up everywhere as part of his contingency. But he he was researching the, the unknown regions at one point, no? Correct. He was looking to map his way through them and blah, blah, blah. He knew something was out there. Uh, okay, let's move on from, from old Snokey. And uh, more about Ryan. <laughs> talking about Luke again. This time talking to IGN. And that moment where Luke arrives, looking like his younger self, and all of us scratching our heads. Well, this is what Ryan had to say to IGN about all that. Luke is basically tailoring this projection to have maximum effect on Kylo. He knows that Kylo's Achilles... Uh, you know that Ky... Jeez. He knows that Kylo's Achilles heel is his rage. And so that's why he kind of makes himself look younger, the way Kylo would have last seen him in their confrontation at the temple. And that's why he decided to bring Kylo's grandfather's lightsaber down there. The lightsaber that Kylo screamed at Rey, That's mine! That belongs to me! So there you go. Uh, so I, I just assume... <laughs> I, I like his, his uh, Johnson's wording here. Maximum effect on Kylo. Which, what he really means is maximum trolling. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he knows that Kylo's got a short temper. Take my saber. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that's mine. I want that. <laughs> but Luke's being an instigator, right? He's just totally tweaking this kid. Oh, and yeah, it works. Sure. Well, he, he's got to. He's got to bait him. And that leads to the, the the next thing on this topic, which is why didn't Kylo freak out when he saw the light, the, the blue lightsaber? That's another question we all had. Why didn't Kylo put that together? And our best explanation is that Kylo was so blinded with rage that he just he just didn't notice. Mm-hmm. And that Which... works as well. And the other and the other plausible answer is it's goddamn Luke Skywalker. Like, you know, who cares? Luke Skywalker. <laughs> like, honestly, are you suggesting that Luke's even if it, it was broken, Luke could have somehow repaired it, and Kylo would be accepting of that? Yeah. Like you'd be like, oh man. Uncle, I did it with the force. Whatever. I mean, like, I, I didn't, I didn't question that whatsoever. Like, I, I, I mean, it came to my head. Like, okay, but like, it had no effect on me as to why Kylo was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, it didn't. It, I didn't question it until my second viewing. Like, I was so lost in that moment, saying, "This is just, this is incredible cinema for me. I'm totally sucked into this." Um, but Ryan Johnson does that. Does have a reason. And it sounds convincing? We'll see what you think. Quote, We as an audience saw that. 
the truth is, we see the, la- the lightsaber split in half. Kylo sees a blinding flash of light and is knocked unconscious, and then Rey takes the lightsaber away before he wakes up. So if you really want to dig into it and get an explanation, you can say that he doesn't 100% know what happened to the lightsaber. End quote. What do you think of that explanation? I mean, yeah, technically that makes even more sense. Like me, again, it wasn't even a big question for me. Like, again, Blinded by Rage works. Uh, the fact that it's Luke Skywalker, that works. Uh, but this, again, too, it's it's true. Like, they were knocked unconscious right away. Yeah, there's... I don't know if, if that's the case. I don't know that that scene was handled in the best way. Maybe they could have had edited it different, differently or had a couple different shots to show us what Kylo had seen. Because, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with this in retrospect. Like... I get it Even if people Ray talking to to Leia after like he doesn't know it's broken or something yeah I don't know I mean how does how would Ray know that but um yeah I, I think there, we could have had like a, a a POV shot of Kylo where all he sees is just that big flash of white light and not without seeing the saber snap in half and then you go oh well I get it now Kylo didn't see it um I, you know, in retrospect, like if people want to roll their eyes and say, nah, nice try, Ryan, like wait, nice way to explain away an obvious plot hole, jerk. Um, but, you know, I will just suggest that you try staring into that blinding light until you're knocked out cold by the concussion blast. And then you tell me what you remember in the aftermath. That's what I have to say to that. No, no, no <laughs> plot holes. No plot holes. <laughs> Is that even a plot hole, though? Hell no, bro. Like. Or is that just no. like an inconsistency? It's no, no I, I'm not epic. saying it is. I'm not saying it it's is. Epic. I'm just saying that like people no, have me, accused like, this anyway. movie of being filled with plot holes, and I, I totally disagree. If so, if someone's considering that a plot hole, like they've missed the point of this movie. Like I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I guess it's your opinion and whatever, but I mean, it's epic. Like, what you really want to like right away, Kylo, just be like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Let me poke. Oh, like. Uh, like this is trickery like kill them it's called storytelling right not only that but like (laughs) he's blinded again by rage and like all this stuff like he didn't again like the blinding flash he's he was literally blinded at the same time and that forced concussion like you said was probably pretty severe yeah i mean i guess i guess the way you digest ryan johnson's answer here depends entirely on your take on the movie like, if you already don't like it, you're not going to buy this. Whereas if if you like the movie or you're okay with the movie, you're probably like, okay, sure, that's fine. And again, it's like, I think, first of all, I don't even know if the Kylo realizes that as a Force user, you can Force project yourself because I think that was like a major bombshell for everyone. Like, holy cow, with the levitating and all that. Like, just epic. So... Why would he even suspect that? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that would not even be on his mind. Exactly. I, I, but I like I like the wording that Ryan used. It makes it sound at least like, no, this is the way I, I intended it. Maybe it missed. But he says, we as an audience saw that. The truth is, we see the lightsaber split in half. Kylo sees a blinding flash of light and is knocked unconscious. It's, it's that, a, that, that, The it's wording of, of that bet. sounds convincing as if he's sure... Of of the intention he had when putting that scene together, he he made a bet with JJ or something like, watch, I'll do it like this, and you'll see how I'll get called out on it. 
Like, bet. I'll I wonder if stuff deal. like that happens. Sitting around the, the, the table with the story group. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's put some money on this, guys. Let's see how we can troll fans with this. He- heads, we do the POV shot. Tails, we don't. Yeah, they would just try to troll each other like mad, right? Or at least, or figure out ways to troll fa- fandom. I would. I All I know, I would totally try to do that. How can I make someone angry today? <laughs> well, wake up. Just you know, wake up and roll out of bed and punch the clock at Lucasfilm. Somebody's mad at you. Well, you don't intend to do it, but it's just kind of <laughs> I, inevitable. I totally would. I would think of the well, most jerk-faced fan out there and just find the thing. Just tweak them. Well, I think even if you tried not to, you still would. If of you know course. what I mean. I know. <laughs> but there's, there's what, millions upon millions of Star Wars fans. Everybody's got their own opinion on something. It's, it's somebody is going to be unhappy no matter what. And that's fine. That's what makes the world go round. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. It's just all about how you handle yourself, man. Handle be your cool. business. Yeah. Be cool, kitties. And in the Commonwealth, we are cool. All right. You want to, you want to talk about some rebels now? I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> I'm I'm ready for some rebels chat, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I was ready for this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so late last week, uh, at German Jedi on Twitter, Florian uh, from Jedi Bibliotech, the German website, uh, he had. Two bits of news. Well, I guess it's it's two bits of news wrapped into one. It's the synopsis for the first two episodes of Rebels, the second half of season four. And what we know is that Rebels will be back on February 24th and then again on March 3rd. So the synopsis for the February 24th episode is called Jedi Knight. Not K-N-I-G-H-T, just Jedi and Knight as in nighttime. The synopsis of that episode goes a little like this. It's the ghost crew infiltrates the Imperial headquarters on Lothal to save one of their own. Meaning Hera. Meaning Hera. What's funny about that, though, is Kanan went on his own at the end of, of episode nine, I think. <clears throat> he, remember, he just he sent everybody off by himself, right? Yep. And then he turned around with it with his little speeder bike and, and headed back towards um, <clears throat> the the Imperial complex. I, I I guess he's rejoined by his friends at some point. Something's gonna happen. I, I don't want to speculate on this, but uh, you don't want to speculate. Well, I mean, obviously the crew's gonna get involved toward the end. I would guess. They, like I, I'd say, Kanan, if anything, probably gets her out. Uh, the crew kind of meets them at their exit point, but. Hera could possibly be alone, or I don't know. Oh, gee. well, you know, I, I have this <clears throat> idea in my head of whatever a Kanan undertaking the rescue mission alone, and then midway through, Ezra gets has sort of a vision of of both of them in trouble, and then you know grabs Zeb and Sabine and let's go. Oh, and that that astromech that tags along with them. What? <laughs> Respect. You can't even find it in the dictionary anymore. <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-K. Were you Michelle Terrier? That was uh, Ali G. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, that's kind of what I see. Or maybe the, the white loth cat leads Ezra 
back in the direction towards the the, the base. I don't know, but I, I can see it going that way. But I mean, obviously, this is the rescue of of, of Hera, right? There's no other yeah, way I mean, about that, unless it could be an attempt on rescue on Kanan if he got Hera out already. But I don't see it going that way. I mean, all signs point to it being Hera. We've already done the Kanan rescue as well in season one. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's the big setup. It was Thrawn's big setup to capture Captain Syndulla. And now he's got her, yeah. so they're not going to just gloss over her release. We're gonna, we're gonna see her get get sprung free. Um, but I guess this could get quite grim, right? This is this is maybe where Thrawn and Price get their pound of flesh. Like this, this could be the end of Kanan. Very well, could be. And I mean, Jedi Knight with an N, as in nighttime, farewell, goodbye, lights out. Uh, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you could always say maybe there's possibly something lost in translation here but i don't think so no especially seeing how you, we got the episode title for the second part of the season yeah uh, well, i mean it just coincides right with it uh and it, it again if that is the case like it's gonna leave a lot of room for our main character in this series like some people like it or not this is about the ghost crew but it is ezra's story and if they're going to be what I think after these two, there might be only four four episodes left. If I'm not mistaken, four or five. Uh yeah, I think we have fifteen episodes here. So ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. That's six episodes. So I mean, it's got a Ezra's I time to shine. It's Ezra's time to shine, man. Like uh, he, it's his again. It's his series, kind of in a way. Like he can. Well, he's so, a central character. There's, there's no, no denying that. That's never and been we, the question. We've talked, we've talked about this again recently. Like more and more, he seems to be taking the reins on not only missions. Uh, he's got a rank in the rebellion and all that stuff. But like, people are more and more looking toward him for answers and direction. True, which is sort of a strange place to look for guidance to a, you know, teenage boy with with hormonal issues and self control issues. I don't know. Doesn't seem all that wise, but away we go. Anyway, so yeah, I, I, something something's bad. Something bad has got to happen to Kanan here, I think, based on the description of the follow-up episode called Doom. D U M E, as in Caleb Doom, as in Kanan Jarrus's real name. And that airs on March third. Synopsis: Reeling from a devastating loss, the Ghost Crew rallies together to find new purpose and resolve. Yeah, you're right, Corey. I don't even know if I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> Doom. The way those wolves say it, man, it's just so cool. Like, there's something about that. I, I could say this: if it is the end of physical form, Kanan, he's still going to be a part of this series somewhat. We'll still see him again in some way, shape, or form. Maybe with Ahsoka. Uh, maybe as a part of the wolves. Who knows? But I know there's more for him still in this, for sure. There has to be. You think? When when, when all said and done, like, I don't think it's going to be like, okay, like, happily ever after. Like, it, it could be them, again, like, one of those tragic Star Wars moments where, like, the crew's together at the end. They kind of look up and there's, this, like, a sign that's like, hey, like, they know and the audience knows that that's Kanan, like, winking at them or something, you know? 
Yeah, with his blind face. I guess maybe he could. Yeah, if he's if he's one with the force somehow, I guess he would manifest himself with with working eyes and not <laughs> blinded, scarred up eyes, right? It doesn't even need to be force projection either. It could be like I'm trying to think of something that's of significance that's happened over the course of the seasons, but it could just be like I don't know, uh, like just something happens and they kind of like all like know that it's Kanan for sure, but. I think the wolves and him, again, there's some kind of link there. They, they've been saying it. Even to Ezra before Kanan even heard about this, like, like right away, Ezra was like, oh, Doom, like D-O-O-M, but that's not what they were saying. And, like, that kind of, obviously, you kind of, I'm sure 50% of the audience didn't recognize that either, you know? I, yeah, it's even more than that. I only got it because I had subtitles on. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean... When we spoke about this on Bridger Transmissions, we we, we talked about Kanan biting it. I think we were all kind of we're all convinced that it's going to happen. You know, the Jedi have to be dealt with, right? They can't just be kicking around somewhere when the OT unfolds with them just. Eh, I'm going to sit this one out. But we thought that maybe, maybe Kanan's death is going to be like this this glorious luminescent death, and it's going to be so epic. I don't know if it's going to be that. I mean, look where look where they are. This grim little imperial factory. It just this could just be, just like I said before, it could be Thrawn and Price getting their pound of flesh. They just might take out Kanan the old-fashioned way. How badly are you gonna feel for him too if it's like that, like Elias from Platoon? Is that the guy that gets shot in the back? Or no, that's um, yeah, Willem Dafoe, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the guy that gets shot in the back. <clears throat> Yeah, right there. Freedom right there. And he's there. blind too, you know? It's like, oh man, like, I want it to be epic, but I know what you mean, that it could just be like, ouch. It could go, yeah. But I don't think it's going to go that way. Like, oh, it's it's going to be we're still, we're still quite a ways off, which is, I guess I'm okay with that. You know, I'm kind of still savoring it. Like, I'm, I'm lingering, man. Like, this is it. I, I love this show. You guys know that. And it's it's coming to an end, man. There's barely anything left here. And I think this is... Barely again, anything like, left? You know, when I when I listen to this ep- podcast back, I'm going to hear you say, there's barely anything left, and there's still so much to do. I'm going to hear those two things. <laughs> well, it, it kind of makes sense. There's, there is. There's so little episodes left, and there's so much to, to take care of in that time. But if you think about it, it's almost like... The Last Jedi, from that standpoint, again, like touching back on the Ezra Kanan relationship, Kanan exits a few episodes before the end to let the main character take the front stage, right? Yeah. And so, what, what, the scenes what does helping. this do? What will this do to? I, we'll talk about this more once we see the actual episode, and maybe uh, when when we get together to break down the trailer, whenever they they decide to gift that to us. I wonder what this does to the crew. I mean, does does Zab say, "I'm out"? You took out my boy. I'm out. That's I don't revenge. know. What, what, is, what will Ezra's reaction be? It's it's gonna be really interesting to see. Yeah, they're they're gonna complete what they have to do there in Lothal. And again, it's more than this Imperial factory. So that's got me kind of raising a lot of questions as well now. Well, that factory's so, toast. Oh, they'll get to the one factory, way or another. But... That factory's toast. But there's still more to it. And they said it's just 
there's more there than meets the eye, and that's the part I'm really like, hmm, what has Filoni got cooking here, man? Maybe during the rescue, maybe it's, maybe it's Kanan that takes it out with himself still inside. Possible. There's there's a lot of ways for him to go, but I mean, saving Hera is definitely, I guess, kind of the most viable route. Yeah, I mean that's why he's there. That's he's gonna get her out, and maybe he's gonna take out the the, the factory, almost like in a, in a Poe way. Like I have a chance to take out this factory, I'm gonna do it. I'll say I'll get I'll get Hera out of here, and then I'll take out this factory. Now whether he means it to be a sacrifice or if he just uh oh, <laughs> I can't find my way out. Where's the door? We'll find out. Okay, let's take a little break here. And uh, we have a lengthy, nice, big, fat binary sunset force projections, whatever we want to call this section of the show coming up. So quick break, and we're going to hear from ads. Hello, boys. Hope you've all had a good week. Okay, so a quick question this, this time around. If you could go back to a 1980s toy shop, which three Star Wars toys would you be would you be buying? So not necessarily the ones that are the most um, most expensive these days to get, but maybe something pristine in its packet that you would really like from the 1980s toy shop. Have a good week. Take care. Bye. There he goes. Ads dashing off to put a finishing touch on a on what I'm sure was a great weekend. Uh, thank you once again, sir. Great, great question. Even even the short questions are great, Corey. Great. I mean, this one tore me apart, man. Like it's it's such a simple question, but it's like, man, what do you do? Well, I, I had this. I, I have a long list of questions that you know for, for days where we have nothing to talk about. I've got something, a few things that we can drop into the mix here and talk about, and this was one of them. Yeah, so. I got I got you there. That's <laughs> that's been a thing too. Time travel, the, the works. Yeah, I didn't Someone quite hun- phrase it this way, but it it was the same idea. Just what what three toys would you want back? Um, I hope someone in, in Matt Keegan's and Mark's and uh, Paul's story, someone goes back in time and snags some toys, <laughs> or an almanac. Did you just you, you better not have spoiled that for me. I haven't. You still have it. <laughs> you, you received both copies, right? I was actually talking to Matt about that last night. He was asking me, "Have you started?" I'm like, "No, I haven't. I haven't received it yet." I'm like, I don't even know if Kyle's received it. No, I, I got it. I got it last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so, Corey, you heard the man. What three toys would you bring back? Did, like, I'm curious to know what you did. Like, did you just go for, like, oh, I love that, so I took that? Or did you opt for things that you once owned and want to have back? Or is it the straight-up collectability slash it's worth a lot, so I want that? Even though, Ad said, don't don't necessarily follow that approach. Or did you loophole it by saying that the thing that you really always wanted just turns out to be super high value? So let, no, let's round, really. let's round table this, kick it off, and then we'll we'll ping pong it until we're done. All right. Uh, first of all, I want to say that it was extremely hard for me to choose characters within, like, because I mean, God, who do you choose? Well, you didn't have to choose them. characters. You could choose any. Well, I know that's why I kind of veered more toward vehicles and playsets. Yeah, because I feel it's hard for me sometimes. Like I, I with the OT characters and these all these new characters coming on board with the new uh, saga, even animation. I'm like, 
do I like this character more? And I'm kind of in my head like, yeah, I do. I think I do, but I kind of feel guilty about it. <laughs> why? Why do, so, why do you feel guilty about it? I, I don't know. I'm just kind of that, that guy, you know? It's like, it's almost like, I don't know. It's like, I, I like this guy better than you now, you know? Kind of like uh, Buzz and Woody in a way. You know, I, I think we, we have this sort of weird, uh, it's not weird, it's it's an allegiance to the OT that it can never, ever be supplanted. We're just not allowed. We're, we're breaking some kind of unwritten code if you supplant the OT. And it's, it's junk. It's rubbish. If you like something yeah, like better, I, I if you to... like something better, done. Move on. True. Like, I, I have to say I'm really excited for Ryan Johnson's trilogy, so... Like, that'll be all new Star Wars. But, okay, first first one I got on the list here. Um, something we did have back in the day, but uh, let's go original Falcon. I mean, gotta have a Falcon. That's uh, that's Mint, that's first on my list, too. Minty fresh in box. I don't even need a minty fresh box. Just, I would love M- to have M-A-F. a box. <laughs> I would love to have the box. Just, I, I love the old packaging. The graphics on the old packaging is just magical to me. Exactly. No, box comes with loophole <laughs> all right fine Mint, minty fresh too like pristine maf man yeah uh okay fine i mean the minter the better i suppose if we're if we're if money's no object in this exercise then fine uh, but and, and otherwise as long as the box is held together and isn't like smashed to bits fine i, I just need the box to look at but yes the falcon definitely is on my list it, it's it's there's just so many parts <laughs> to that beast, and it was but it was such a great playset. I, I I you know I think just ordering a new one, or somebody's completed one is is much quicker and probably cheaper than trying to chase down parts for our missing one. And I have to say, anyone who owned that and didn't make them play a game of uh, oh what what game were they playing? Sabak. The hollow game. Was it Sabak? Oh. Oh, I forget the name of that hollow chess game now. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, I should have got I should have wrote that down in some trivia at one point. Gotcha. But yeah, if you never played that and pretend like Chewie was like getting really upset over it, you weren't doing Star Wars, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I think everybody kind of expected us to say the Falcon at some point, so I'm glad we kind of had it first on our list. And it's oh, it's Dejeric. Ah, oh, there you go, Dejeric. Yeah, that makes sense. Sounds like something out of Star Trek, but uh, either way, we had the the Falcon as a Christmas gift. We had talked about that on Sith Disturbers at one point. It was a shared gift, and luckily we didn't pitch it across the room like Ryan Johnson. But man, I think the thought probably did cross my head because we were pretty young with that sounds and all that stuff. I think it was the one of the later models. It was, I think I'd like it was to go the, for an earlier model. No, it was the Jedi one. Yeah, the Jedi one. So that was probably a pretty advanced for its day. Like, I, I yeah, don't know the differences was... between the seventy-seven, the eighty, and the eighty-three version. I have it's something maybe for a question from Mark over at uh, TSW Toy Box because I have no clue what the differences are. If you just look at the images, it's I don't know that there are any differences. It could just be repacks. Okay, um, number two, Corey. Number two. All right. Uh, again, I, I did this. I'll, I'll put it out there right now. I had a, I cr- crossed it off the list last minute. I had a Han Solo and Carbonite playset. That was pretty dope, man. Like, come on, you got to have that. But I, I kind of opted for uh, the Jabba playset. Mm, that's on my, my honorable my mentions. Cousin, 
Ooh, yeah, I got some honorable mentions too. Loophole. But uh, yeah, my our cousins had that that Jabba thing, and we didn't, and we never got it. And I, I don't know, like every time we went to that house, it's like it's like I'd be like, "Where where's your Jabba? Where's the milk crate with the Jabba in it?" <laughs> like, give it to me. I just gotta look at it. <laughs> there's the trap door. Oh yeah, there was something really cool about that Jabba set. I don't know what it was. It's Salacious Crumb. <laughs> no, but like that trap door was awesome. Plus Jabba too, like. I guess it was the size of it, right? When you were a kid, the bigger the toy, the better. And Jabba was a big action figure. Action is very tenuous when talking about Jabba, but yeah, exactly. It, he wasn't doing much moving. It was a cool. It was a cool playset. Yeah, it was a nice figure piece for your playset. Like, yep, uh, yeah, no doubt. You you build like dioramas around that. Yeah, exactly. Um. So my second pick. The uh, my second and third picks are both ones that I never owned. That I wish I did. But I'm getting the vintage B-Wing. Totally underappreciated ship. 100% with you there. That actually meant, went on my honorable mentions list. Hmm. This is getting boring. I, I, <laughs> well, whatever. It's honorable mentions. I didn't I didn't do it. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I, I just, I love the look of it. I've come to like it more and more over the years. Even though it makes no sense at all as a ship. It's, it's it's just really cool. It's totally Star Wars. Makes no sense at it all, makes, but it makes perfect sense. Okay, gyroscopic cockpit makes perfect <laughs> sense. Um, yeah, there you go, man. B wing, and I never had the pilot either. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the vintage B wing came with the pilot or if the pilot came separately. All right, let's let's round it up here, Corey. All right. So my number three, coming up with a classic again. Uh, again, it was a toss-up between... I was looking for something on Bespin, you know, but I opted for Moss Eisley. There's a vintage Moss Eisley toy? There's a Moss Eisley playset, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Or, um, yeah, well, it's Cantina playset. That's pretty wild. I didn't, yeah. don't think I... I, I guess look. maybe it would trigger my memory if I saw a picture, but I didn't know that. Uh, like, I'd pimp it up with, like... Get the figure in Dan and and size snoodles. It'd be like Temple of the Dog. Whoa, which one's the Chris Cornell? I guess I guess uh, no Joe Joe Yowza <laughs> would be the Chris Cornell of of Tatooine music scene, right? I don't know. I guess it's so insulting oh. to Chris Cornell. I'm so sorry. So, insult- so insulting to Max Rebo. He's not a singer. He was the man. I don't know that he was. But yes, no, that, that three-person, the vintage three-person set with Max Rebo, Sice Noodles, and uh, Droopy McCool, that's a cool little set too. If you had Jabba's, if you had Jabba's Deus and that playset, you needed to have Max Rebo as well. That's and then where do you stop? My... You got to get the Rancor, you need some Gamorrean guards and Bib Fortuna, and it's over, man. All right. It never ends. Uh, with my last one, I'm sticking with vehicles. I'm going with Vader's TIE Fighter. That's solid. Just Yeah, that ship is so cool. It's funny how we both thought that, eh? To go with the vehicles. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's something to be said. I mean, the, the three and three quarter figures are awesome. I mean, that's, that's sort of the holy grail of Star Wars collecting, I think. But yeah, I mean... 
how do you just pick three out of that whole lineup? That's exactly you just it. go with your favorite characters, or do you pick the vinyl cape Jawa or the prototype Boba Fett? Like, what do you do? So I, I went with something with a little more playability, I think. What about uh, honorable mention Sandcrawler? Yep. It wasn't on my list, but yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the ATAT. The yeah, I thought about it. You know what's an underratedly cool playset from the vintage line is the Rebel Transport. <gasps> Dude, that's on my. That's oh, you bastard! It almost <laughs> looks a. Uh, it almost looks Mon Calamarian design. Is it? Nah, I'm not sure. You know, the underneath of that ship doesn't look very Mon Cal. No, the top part does. You're right. But uh, if they did, and you know, I should actually Google that if they had a some kind of Mon Cal cruiser like that, I would have been all over. Like, if you could have just one. One vintage mint on card. What would it be? I don't know. God, like think about it. Like you got Luke, Han, Leia, Vader, boy, R two. You got to go with one. Take a. You could take a Vader. That's what I. That's what I have in mind. Yeah, why not? Let's go with Vader. You're, you're pandering to Troy the boy here. I love my Troy. <laughs> anyway, that was fun. Ads, thank you, sir. The dreaming that we can do. I mean, what's crazy is that you can just go on eBay and live out these dreams. You got a credit card? You're good to go. <laughs> All those things can be had, man. Just going to have the will to click buy now. Yeah, gotta get gotta get one of those lists, man. Look, the debt's really the, the debt is for future you to worry about. Now you just wants that toy. It's an investment. <laughs> and then your house floods and you lose it all. All right, time for some Bradley banter. Let's check it. Let's check in with Bradley. Hello, tumbling saber. This is Bradley here with this week's Star Wars question. Um, I'm going to continue on with my uh, positive uh, vibes or uh, positive thinking when it comes to The Last Jedi and the questions I want to ask, at least for this uh, first month for January. So let's talk about um, the, uh, the nostalgia scenes or the throwback scenes as I like to refer to them as. Um, and so those scenes would be um, the Yoda scene with Luke. Um, another one would be the uh, the reunion of R2 and Luke. And then the third would be Luke and Leia at the end. Um, each one of these scenes I love, um, uh, obviously because uh, of the the relationship between the two of the characters and the main character being Luke Skywalker in each one of these scenes. Um, I, I love uh, how each one was done differently in a sense of um, its callbacks. Uh, for instance, the Luke and R2, I, the, what I like about that scene is the way Luke talks to R2 and it felt uh, to me, you know, when he when he talked, it sounded OT like. It seemed like the old Luke and not this uh, rough around the edges Luke that we're 
that we we got throughout the movie and uh i just love that kindness that sweetness um the way he talked to r2 and then also that scene of the the um projection of leia and um the callback of that's the first time that luke saw uh, leia and and just that just the way they did that was so beautiful and i loved everything about it and that's one of those instances where maybe i was out of the movie at one point but then that drew drew draw drew drew me back in is that is that the way you say it drew me back into um it feeling like a star wars movie and so i love that scene because of that um i'll go to the uh luke and yoda scene once again um you know it kind of drew me back into that universe that i was familiar with um with luke and yoda and i thought they did an excellent job with yoda um the first time i saw it it kind of looked a little strange to me but the second time i saw it it didn't look strange to me at all it was kind of uh kind of surprised at how quickly i changed my opinion of um the way uh, yoda looked and the way he moved and talked i thought they did an excellent job there and um and completely happy with that. I know some people are not too um, keen on that scene and uh, just what was said in that scene. And I, th I thought everything was done was beautiful. I, th I thought uh, the advice that Yoda had was beautiful. Um, the advice that he gave to Luke, um, and it's it's so true in in everyday life. Um, I mean, it's you know we that's when we truly learn. Um, and grow as a person um, in life, and that's through our failures. Um, so I love that scene, and then I love the scene with uh, Luke and Leia. I thought that was so beautiful, um, you know. And then the and then the him handing the dice to Leia, I really liked that. I felt like um, that was kind of a, their way of getting around having Luke, uh, Han, and Leia together. And I thought they that was so well done. Um, and my opinion on that scene, because I know a lot of us uh, don't think anyone else um, realized that Luke was actually not there, that he was doing a force projection there. I'm, I'm one of those that believes Leia knows that he's not there either. And that... Uh, that she can sense it and that she knows that he's he's not truly in front of her but he is truly with her and so um i'd like to get y'all's opinions on that as well y'all might y'all may have mentioned it before um in one of y'all's past podcasts but um you know it, it doesn't hurt to uh reiterate what you what you think about that scene um but i thought that scene was it was beautiful as well and so you know, coming out of the first viewing, those three scenes, because of the throwback, the nostalgia uh, that I like to call it, um, those were my favorite scenes. Um, but when I watched it on the second time, and I have to say I've only seen the movie twice, <laughs> um, which is, I, it's hard for me to believe that I've only seen it twice, but, uh, you know, life has gotten in the way and other stuff has uh, taken priority and I haven't been able to uh, get away, but hopefully here in the next week or so, I plan on uh, taking the family back a couple more times to see it. But uh, you know, out of only seeing it twice, those those scenes were what really um, 
you know, were my favorite scenes. But now, um, you know, th- thinking about the movie and listening to other podcasts, um, you know, other things have kind of taken the forefront of those. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more to a lot more to this movie than just those scenes, uh, even though those were very important scenes. Um, I, th- I think overall, uh, as time goes on, we'll find that they're, they're just, you know, parts and pieces to this whole to this whole story. And uh, hopefully J.J. Uh, Abrams will tie it all together and put a nice, neat bow on it. Um, well, I've rambled on enough. Uh, you got plenty of banter this week. And I hope you all have a great show. I know you all will. And as always, may the force be with you. Bye, guys. And there goes Mr. Bradley Hall continuing with the positivity in January 2018. I like it. All right, Corey, so let, let's talk about this trinity of scenes featuring Luke and a core cast of characters from the OT. So the, I don't know that Bradley really put a question to us, but these scenes are, are they might form the heart of The Last Jedi. They're all just so powerful. Let's let's kick them around for a bit. So I'll, I'll just, I'll start by saying what I liked about the R2 scene beyond the obvious low blow of the Leia hologram. It's the only, one and only time in the whole movie where we get a smile out of Luke, some happiness out of Luke. And it's, it's one quick little moment, but it's, it's so good. And it's so short. And I, I, I found that was so well written. And Mark Hamill just acts so well with these puppets and droids. Like he just acts the hell out of these scenes. But it, you know, it was, I, for me, it was so well written that, when people call it a badly written movie, I just can't get on board. What did you make of that scene? Uh, Amazing. I had one of my favorite scenes in the movie, just like Bradley uh, and Bradley and I were a hundred percent on the same page where I swear to God, the first time I saw it in theater, I heard Luke's voice and it was old Luke talking to R2 again. Like you could hear it. Like the way he spoke, it was like, Oh my God. He wasn't that like disgruntled old man. Like he was like R2. You know, like yeah, no, he cha- was... he channeled. I mean, that that's that's the happiness, a little bit of joy that comes through there from from, or I guess, I don't know what you want to call. It. Is it joy? Is it something else? It's a little bit of that youthful vibrance that comes through, that we saw thirty something years ago. I I had speculated on this last week where uh, I said I I guarantee you, I would put money on. I go all in on the fact that. Uh, Ryan probably asked JJ, you know, let's change it up and put, let's switch BB-8 up with with R2, you know, so that R2 can come to Acto. And I, I said it was for that sole reason and found out, I think it was on the Star Wars show this week, that that was exactly the case. That Well, we learned that last fall. We talked about it here. Last fall. We, that, uh... But we it was for the sole purpose of this scene, the, the, to be able to show him oh, the hologram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they obviously weren't going to spoil the hologram or... Luke and R2 talking, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they talked about that on the, uh, on the Star Wars show, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, that, that scene, just an amazing scene. And, you know, I, I think it was either on Twitter or the question, I can't remember now, but the Bradley was talking about a loophole for this, this week. And I don't know if we'll so much consider this a loophole, but that scene is actually a two for one in the sense that we get a fourth character because we, we do consider most of fandom does consider the falcon to be its own character and the way luke interacts with the falcon it's like he's meeting an old friend as well so and that's in the same scene so you know it's funny like beyond one short scene at the end of empire luke's not on the falcon that much i mean he is in a new hope 
which for a lot of people is sort of the the at the core of their Star Wars fandom. And Luke, of course, he's on the Falcon Falcon in, in numerous scenes in that movie. But beyond that, not in, not barely in an Empire, and he's always he's all beat up at the end, and uh, not at all in Jedi. It's it's funny about, how uh... that scene hit us when he really didn't spend all that much time on that ship. You know, there was years years in between time in between the comics. Has he been spending any time on it? Yeah, it is, but those don't count. I mean, they count, but they don't count. Um, but no, I mean, so obviously something's there. Ryan Johnson tapped into something when he put Luke in that cockpit, right? Oh, for sure. And again, that that hologram scene, like you just kind of brushed it off a bit there, but that again, like just one of one of my favorite scenes in a movie, so poignant, makes me so much more happy now that I got that uh, Funko Pop with the Leo R two projection there it's i don't know just makes you look on that scene from a whole new perspective now like it was right kind of what we needed like in saying goodbye to these characters like all these scenes kind of hit the mark i would say and i i don't want that to take away from the movie either like because we're saying like it's true like like bradley said these these scenes that he had mentioned in these old characters reuniting it's kind of what we've all been waiting for and hoping for and all that stuff but it puts us back in our comfort zone in a way, and I don't want to look at it like that. It like at a point, it did have to ha- have to happen, and the way it did for for most of these scenes was, geez, man, spot on, it really for yeah. me and you, <laughs> spot on. Yeah, others not so much. Yeah, but I know I I don't know anybody who didn't appreciate these scenes fully. But I, I guarantee you, any of the people, even the people that it wasn't spot on, like when those scenes came on in theater. It's because, I guess, we're huge fans and stuff, too. I don't know how it would have been for the regular, average, like, fan, you know? I'm sure it but, got them, too. But I'm talking about, like, oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, all those scenes, when they came up, it's like, I don't even know if we're breathing, kind of, you know? Like, it's when we finally know that Yoda's there, it's R2 and Luke now, or Luke and Leia, it's like... I don't know. It was so surreal. It was so like in the moment, like just one of those things that I don't think I'll ever forget in a way, even though it's like, I barely remember anything. It was such a blur. It was just a month ago, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm talking about when we left the theater, we all just felt like what hit us, you know, which was great. Yeah. I mean, again, that was seeing the last Jedi and, and the way I approached it and, and trying to say, stay relatively spoiler free. It was, oh, geez, the best cinematic experience I've had. I I want to say period. And I don't know that anything topped it. Maybe just the spectacle of the of the Phantom Menace. But otherwise, now nah, just like the the in movie experience, I don't know anything has come close to the Last Jedi. All right, let's talk about uh, Luke with Yoda. Which I for me is is just so dense and threads back so nicely to the OT. What did you make of that scene? Well, I mean, if you're following the news again, you kind of could have convinced yourself that he was going to be in the movie, and which we had, and we were right for the most part. I think everyone was kind of right on that. But uh, just amazing. I think, like Brad Bradley said, the puppetry 
taking it back to the old Yoda. I think they did a great job with that. He didn't look funky or weird. Uh, the conversation was, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've seen it again now. I've seen it two times, just like Bradley. So uh, the first time, again, it's kind of like a blur. The second time, you're kind of starting to absorb a little more. But either way, that scene was, again, so, just so poignant. Again, one of those moments when you're in the theater and you're like, it's happening. Yoda's here. And again, it's a vice, all that stuff, the burning of the tree. Like, come on, man. This stuff was so good. Like, the fact that he's kind of playing Luke a bit with the books, just a play on words, giving Luke that, that proper nudge that he needs to get back on track in a way or do what he needs to do. Yeah, it was, just, it was a beautiful scene. Just so beautiful all around. Yeah, visually, like that was, that was a that's another thing about all the scenes that are like poignant like that and like uh, sentimental. The visuals are like on point, like ah, uh. yeah, absolutely. And it, it was fun to see the old school Yoda back, the guy who's not afraid to jerk Luke's chain, mess around with him, giggling, stomping his feet, laughing. And that's that's the first Yoda we met, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was so nice yeah, to see that crazy the crazy old Yoda. Just so so much value in the words that that Yoda dropped in Luke's lap in that conversation. Just the right thing that Luke needed to hear at that time. And him calling down the lightning. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. That's some serious power. I mean, we think Palpatine. Talk about being more powerful than you could possibly imagine when you cross over to the other side. Seriously, that's power from beyond the grave, man. And Snoke and, and Dooku and Palpatine, they had their force lightning, but they had nothing on what Yoda dropped down from the sky. That was force lightning, <laughs> you know? Uh, that was some serious, like, put kind of like Thor to shame there. Yeah, no kidding. Like, that, that was that was awesome power. But yeah, that, that scene was great. And I, you know, there, there, again, there are people upset that they used a puppet instead of the CG which, again, I find baffling. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh my god. Like, I've heard for years and years the CG Yoda was like, Bleh. people bitching about that. Like, come on. Puppet Yoda. I mean, they, they could That's have it. done a good job with CG Yoda in this. It would have been fine, and I don't think we would have complained. But, but like, Mark's performed with a puppet before, and Mark... And not only a puppet, he's performed with Frank Oz before. Yeah, like... We believe Yoda. Yoda worked in Empire because of Mark Hamill. And of course, because of Frank Oz. But we see Yoda through Luke. And Mark Hamill totally bought in, went all in and all out in his scenes with Yoda. And made Yoda feel like a real living character. That's that's so true. Because even as a kid, especially in my day and age... There was a lot of Muppets on TV. There was a lot of Sesame Street going on in the house when Star Wars was around. And I was like young getting into Star Wars. And I knew like Yoda was a, a puppet or whatever, but I still believed because again, like you said, Hamill's performance in that and Yoda's performance, Frank Oz's performance, like the puppetry is like, yeah, ah, you can, anyway. you, it doesn't work unless you get both. But Mark Hamill is our avatar in that scene. We go, we go with him. And he just acted the hell out of those scenes in both Empire and Jedi. So I, I'm not shocked one little bit 
that Ryan Johnson decided let's recreate that so that Mark and Frank can do their thing one more time and, and put that on screen. And I'm sure in his mind he was saying, who's going to complain? Sure enough, people are <laughs> some people. It's, I think it's a small pocket, but uh, they're complaining that, yeah, they should have used CG prequel Yoda, which, again, would have looked fine. But I think what we got was pretty special. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They did a good job on it, too, in my opinion. Absolutely. All right. Finally, Luke and Leia hitting all the feels, man. Break down that scene for us. Well, just the dice. Uh, the fact that Carrie Fisher had a part in writing that scene when, you know, he kisses her and says that I changed my hair. Like, it's just so typical her and him. Like, not much needs to be said, but everything is still said. And like Bradley said, uh, I do believe I am in the, the camp that she 100% knows that he is force projection. She realizes probably what he's going through, what he's sacrificing at the moment. And that it's probably going to be the last time that they ever see each other. Absolutely. I, didn't they touch on that in the, in the star Wars show this week that Le, Le, that Leia was aware. I, I know I heard that this week that yes, Leia was aware that it was, it was not really Luke. I mean, it kind of makes a hundred percent sense to me. You can't, you can't uh, just get anything past Leia. She's too smart for that. Exactly, and and not only that, like that scene conveys that, like uh, in her acting prowess, if you will, like you get it the way she's looking at him, what she says to him, like it's just one of those scenes. It's a like a happy, sad goodbye kind of, you know. Oh, it was, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was perfect. It was beautiful, and it's one of Carrie's last moments on film. <sighs> Space twins, man, like in the fields like you said like been a long time coming and uh yeah it was just that really 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 well done the kiss like i said like the dialogue short and sweet no one's ever really so gone that was that was nice too and I mean, and that can apply to so many different things no one's ever really gone it, it applies back to their father luke believing in him never really being gone he gives her the dice. Han's not really gone. And it leaves a little bit of hope for Kylo. Yep. That, that, that line just works on so many different levels. But, you know, the, the three scenes, R2, Yoda, Leia, like the, the movie kind of plays out almost like a This Is Your Life, Luke Skywalker episode. Yeah, if you really think about it, when they say that episode eight is Luke Skywalker's film, like, it really truly is. Uh, more so than Ray in a way, I would think. Ray, what happens to Ray in this movie is great and transitional, and but in the long run, it's it's we're 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 seeing what's happened to Luke, what went down at the academy, uh, and then his his return, right? Like that's almost more the central focus of the story. Yeah, I mean, as people interested in Luke specifically, and people who grew up with Luke, every time he's on screen, we're kind of transfixed, right? And again, that that, oh, that sure. creates a little bit of a problem for, for these storytellers in that this is not Luke's story. Maybe it should have been. Maybe this trilogy should have been about Luke again. And then do 10, 11, 12, not about Luke and Leia. I don't know. Uh, but here we are. His, his, char his character served her char uh, Ray's character, but at the same rate, 
uh, this movie's heavily, heavily, heavily reliant on Luke. Absolutely. One, and a lot of the questions and all that stuff are revolving around him. Totally, totally, totally. Um, yeah, loved all three of those scenes. It's, it's. It, I, I don't even think. Uh, I could. I suppose I could rank them. I, for me, like the Yodo scene is possibly my favorite in the whole film, along with the battle of uh, with the Praetorian guards. And then uh, Leia comes in closely after that, and then the R2 one. Yeah, the R2 one was, was just too short. It was too short, but uh, I know. I, I was so happy to hear Bradley say that about the vocals, because I don't know if I had spoken about that here or with you in the past, but it, it struck me right away that I was like, hey, wait a minute. That's Farm Boy Luke. Yep. No, that I, I know. I That hit me in the first viewing. It was just a, a happy Luke, for, just for a quick moment, and then gone. A fleeting shadow. All right, Bradley. Thank you, sir. Continue with that positivity for 2018 next week. We'll talk to you then. All right. Corey, ready for some communing with Katie? Let's do this thing. All right. Very simple one this week. What is your favorite Obi-Wan scene but you and McGregor? You want me to go first? Who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Eh, whatever. I'll, I'll just say, first of all, that uh, just in regards to Ewan McGregor, man, was he great or what? Like, honestly, like, Kyle and I growing up, I don't know if you were, Katie, you were probably here. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure you know because you're a huge Star Wars fan. But Kyle and I were convinced, like, th- the prequels were confirmed. Okay, we're getting the prequels. Oh, my God. This is insane. And then it was all kind of like pre-internet speculation and magazines and this and that. And we're just like, oh, yeah, Kenneth Branagh, he's Obi-Wan. It's it's done. It's confirmed. Said and done. (laughs) (laughs) All those bad industry magazines running with that. Oh, yeah. Like, we were like, oh, yeah, it's happening. We looked at them and we're like, yeah, perfect. Makes so much sense. But uh, let's just talk about Ewan in the sense that the time span that the movie takes place over, he pulls that off perfectly like phantom menace he does look like a young kid uh then in uh attack of the clones like he does look like a kind of like well let's say middle-aged but an older like middle age he's, he's mid-30s in attack of the clones and then he's he's late 30s in sith that's it but like each time you see that difference in him you know like the, a bit like older and then even older again like the performance as well, like, I think they really locked down their guy in this. Like, they really scored a gem with Ewan McGregor oh, yeah. in the prequels. And he done Alec just, uh, Guinness justice. No doubt. Absolutely. Uh, he's been around. It's been a, a long enough stretch for, for me that uh, for having Ewan McGregor that when you ask me, like, who's when you say Obi-Wan, who do you think of? That's it. That was going to write something like that along those lines down, though. It's like, who? It's it's not so cut and dry anymore. Like I'm sure 20 years from now, if you ask me, when you when I say Han Solo, who do you think of? I'm gonna, still going to say Harrison Ford. I'm I'm almost certain of that. But 20 years from now, if you say if you ask me the same, who's Obi Wan? I may not say Alec Guinness. I might say Ewan McGregor without hesitation. You might say James Arnold Taylor, or the ultimate version, Stephen Stanton. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimo. There's been a lot of people who've who've done Obi Wan now, and who knows if that's the end. 
but yeah, so, okay. So, what's your favorite moment from from the prequels with you and McGregor? If you steal mine, I'm 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 done. Well, you know, I actually kind of I watched the prequels recently, like uh, like a month or so, or probably two, three months ago. <laughs> Anyhow, didn't you just watch um, them last weekend on Showcase? No, that was the OT. Hmm. Okay. Um. Anyhow, yeah. So, what it really guess boils down to. It was a toss-up for me between the two battles, right? The Duel of the Fates and Duel on Mustafar. And because both of them are just... Like, we'd never seen lightsaber fighting like that before. Especially no. Duel of the Fates. When it came back, it was like, man, this is cool. To duel lightsaber two dudes at once. Like, bam, 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 bam. You're like, wow, that was a combo and a half. Like, this is cool. And the music, the Duel of Fates, is, could be up there for me and my one of my favorite Star Wars scores. Uh, but I, I went with the duel on Mustafar just because it, it kind of really hits me in the feels a lot more. Yeah, it's 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 the culmination of all things Star Wars, really. And that battle, too, is epic, epic, epic. Like, they put in their dues in training for that. Like, Did, did you find that battle a little over-choreographed? A little too much of, like, the flailing and swinging around lightsabers for no reason? Kind of, I guess. I know what you mean, but... They wanted to look really fast, right? Like lightsabers look good when they're moving. <laughs> Makes everything like, whoa, what's going on? Like the sound just get kind of carried away in it, right? I know. I just that's. But there's some there's some sick moves in that in that fight, man. Like oh, geez, they are... that fight. I mean, the intercutting between that fight and Yoda and what's going on elsewhere. That's like twenty five minutes, man. They they drag that out. And you got to give props to Obi-Wan again in that scene, too, because, dude, he, he's taking on the Chosen One. Like, he, even though it's Vader's story, Obi-Wan is kind of like the Samwise of this trilogy. The Samwise Gamgee, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's the real good guy. Like, he's the one who gets, a, like, takes Luke away in the end and all that stuff. After being through, having been through all this. Like, he comes back, he faces Vader like a man. Like, he's there. Like, I don't know, it's just... Maybe it's because he knows him and it's his apprentice in a way that he kind of has the upper hand. But, man, he puts... He puts in a good... Puts up a good fight there because Anakin could have had him, man. Well, I guess, you know, they knew each other so well that that fight maybe could have gone on forever and without... Anakin's stupid move of giving up the high ground. I love that that became a meme. A meme. <laughs> oh man, did it ever, eh? Oh god, it's so funny. Um, it's true though. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't ever. But for me, it's it was pretty much a no doubter. I I I don't know if it, if it was loopholing it, so I didn't do it. But just the dialogue between Anakin and Obi Wan before Battle of Heroes on Mustafar. Just Obi Wan is just killing it. He's just a st- he's stone cold in that scene. It's he's amazing. But I back up just a little bit before that. Obi Wan with Padme when he confronts her about Anakin's whereabouts and his turn, like that, it was so powerful. Like he's trying to get her to understand what a danger he's become, and she knows it, but she doesn't want to accept it. Oh yeah, she's like, no, no, I don't believe you. And he's just, he's trying to tell her, like, he's hes killing younglings, he's gone, like, he's, 
pledged allegiance to Palpatine. This is no good. Tell me where he is. And she's like, you're going to kill him. Oh, well, yeah. I might have to do that. But then he drops the big bomb on her by telling her that he knows that she's pregnant and that Anakin's the father. And all that work she put in and trying to hide their relationship and hide the pregnancy. And Obi-Wan sees right through it. And I'm sure he, he knew in the Clone Wars as well. He just he just turned the other cheek because I guess eh, him and Satine, he, what's he going to say? And then he just he just kind of walks off and says, I'm so sorry and just leaves. Stone cold, man. Obi-Wan was just on a mission at that point. Well, for sure. But yeah, I mean, to loop it all back to the beginning, I think Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is the bright spot, the bright spot of the prequels. Oh yeah, I have to have to agree with you there in a way. If, and if it's not him, I would I would say it's Ian McDermott as as Palpatine. He 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 does well. You're right there too, and from an acting perspective as well. I I found, especially in Revenge of the Sith, Ian McDermott was just such a standout scene stealer. Love it. Okay, yeah, and you but you you, you got to love Obi Wan's the way that. That's become a kind of thing too, man, is the, you would never suspect it from Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan, but prequel Obi-Wan and the Clone Wars Obi-Wan, full of sass, is a sassy boy. There's a little bit of sass in Alec Guinness Obi-Wan, a tiny bit. Who's the more foolish? Meh, he just kind of sounds like an old man there. (laughs) All right. All right, Katie, thank you very much. How many more does Katie have up her sleeve in the the favorite? I guess you can just keep going, right? For sure. Just keep going. All right, Katie, looking forward to hearing what you've got next week. And next up, Corey, it's our cousin Nathan. Nice. Yeah, he responded to our Facebook uh, comments saying, let's send in some questions. So Nathan asks, what is your favorite Star Wars Lego kit, owned or not? And, you know, before we get into that, Nathan, my cousin Nathan, our cousin Nathan, for everybody listening, is like when we talk about our backstory for Star Wars, that goes back to, to the mid '80s when we first saw it. Nathan was right there with us, like that. We, the four of us, Nathan's brother as well, the four of us were in that room watching A New Hope for the very first time. So yeah, yep. the, the the family ties and recording for Star Wars go go long and deep, and in a way, recording podcasts. Or we had a little recorder with a little microphone and stuff, and we recorded a little. Yeah, absolutely. Star we were Wars kind bits. of podcasting before podcasting was even conceived of. Anyway, and it also, I guess, we should also say that Nathan and his brother, our cousin, our other cousin, cousin Jason, whizzes with Lego back in the day when Lego came in like what five colors, and you didn't get the sets that you that we have now. If you wanted a Millennium Falcon or X-Wing, build it. There's no instructions. There's no There's no blueprint for this. Here's a box of random parts. Figure it out. Anyway, they, these guys built some awesome ships. Often more, maybe more Star Trek flavored. But uh, great ship builders here. They'd make uh, Rowan Freemaker blush with envy. <laughs> anyway, so Corey... Whether you owned it or not, we didn't own it. We, I don't think we ever owned any Lego Star Wars, and I don't know how much you own now. But what what Falcon or what Lego set would you want? And I just 
is it too easy to say this? The insane seven thousand piece Falcon. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely on my list. Why not? If we can imagine that we can buy this thing, then we can imagine that we have the real estate to put it up in our place. I suppose. I mean, I'm not sure I'd go there anyway. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's my number one. Well, what but, is? Uh, well, some of the things I got anyhow. I got the carbon chamber, Ray Speeder, uh, Jakku scene, a whole bunch of those mini ships, the mini figures or whatever, uh, the full scale X wing. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like they're all in my son's room. They're they're all his kind of, you know. But and they're all not complete anymore. So I'm kind of a little fed up with that. So I don't know how far I'm going to get into the Lego collecting. Like, I do like it, and I think it's really neat, but where does that end either? You know, like, it never ends. Oh, that's um, by design. They just keep a hand in your pocket forever. Well, I, th- I think I'm going to lump the, the Falcon and the Death Star. We can kind of lump them together in a way that they're almost unattainable. And I, I don't like the Death Star Lego set. Well, there's two of them, right? There's the second Death Star, and then there's the the one where you can view the interior. I don't like that one at all. The first one's kind of the, the old one's kind of cool. The Death Star two, that one's kind of neat. I suppose. But my my top two picks were uh, this. I saw this twenty one hundred piece R two that sit about a foot tall. That's pretty cool. Pretty dope. Yeah. And then my last choice would be the Tentive four. The Carillion Corvette there. Nice. That's a nice yeah, that one. ship screams Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I wouldn't default right to that 7,000-piece Falcon, uh, but it boils down to two sets for me. One that I kind of let slip through my fingers and one that I always wanted but never saw in store. Uh, so the Lego Ghost, the full-size one, I remember seeing it in <gasps> store. <gasps> That's true. Many a times. Oh. In Toys R Us, Walmarts, I saw it so many times. I'm like, man, I want that. Yeah, you're a fool. Well, geez, thanks, but act a damn fool. <laughs> I was just figuring, like, okay, that I'll, you know, I can pick that up another time. Right now, try and get it. Like, it's impossible, impossible to get your hands on that. And on eBay, it's like three bills, easy. So I, I, I kick myself. For not having, for not buying three of them. Well, I wouldn't do. I probably wouldn't do anything with them anyway. But yeah, I, I would love to have that now to to build the full thing. But my final answer is Lego item one zero two two one, in all of its thirty one hundred and fifty two pieces of glory, a super star destroyer. That is the thing I want. I would love to have that that piece. I saw that. That is. That was kind of on my short list too, I guess. It is sweet. Our good friend Carlos put together one of the uh The first order Star Destroyer this weekend. Looks yeah, great. That was that Yeah. Oh I, I was just in, invested looked... in his progress pictures on Friday on Friday night as I was uh catching up on my PVR. Oh, for sure. He was having a blast, it looked like. Yeah. No, that was uh no, it's really cool. He said I hope he didn't hold it like a pizza. <laughs> That's what I said in the Facebook comment. Now, yeah, now that it's all built, don't go holding it like a pizza. Oh, boy, people who listen to Sith Disturbers know what we're talking about. All right, Nathan. There you go, buddy. Yeah, thanks, man. Awesome to hear from you, bro. And uh, I want to... What, what was yours? I want to hear yours, Nathan. 
Okay, Corey, this 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 will amaze you. This will amaze you. It will fuel speculation for episode nine. But we're gonna we we got a question in from Snoke's legs. Snoke's legs are are now tweeting, and sending us questions. So, um, I'll just read that because I think it's it's pretty amazing that he it, Snoke's legs can think and tweet for itself. So, here we go. My question is one of the reaction to la- to the Last Jedi and how it will change or remain the same as time goes on. I absolutely adore the movie, but I will concede my first viewing was really conflicting for me to the point where I couldn't stop thinking of the movie at work and became a, pre- a bit depressed about it. I, of course, scoured the internet to find a lot of like-minded souls and a lot of hate out there which only fueled my reaction further. I cut myself off from the Force until I saw the movie again and started to have a change of heart after viewing 4. Do you think there are a lot of fans that have cut themselves off from the film, given to the hate online, and not yet realizing that, that they need to get back into the fight? Thanks for the platform. You guys rock. May the force be with you. Okay, you got to put your uh, sociologist hat on here. What is going on out there, Corey? Well, I think there is a lot of conflict. Uh, it's kind of like anything in life, you know? When people are so passionate about something, it's it's really going to get mess, messy. Yep. And another thing is, like, people kind of tend to dig their heels in on certain subjects, get defensive, and like you said, it, it could be, like, fuel to the fire, like throwing gas on a fire when you – mob mentality in a way when people get together and start bashing on something. They're all like, yeah. And it can also go the other way around when you have the people that are – you know, some people are so far right, some people are so far left, and it goes on both sides that uh, there's no there's no medium in between. So when people start arguing about these things, they just become f- further apart. Like they're pushing each other further apart and digging their heels in more mm-hmm. and getting more instead of having like a and and that the movie suffer suffers for. Like I think when people have an uh, an opinion about something that. It's challenged. Uh, and one thing about this too, I don't think you should have, like, if you're a Star Wars fan, you might kind of think, okay, yeah, it's a good thing to have to see a movie more than once. And I, I But I honestly do think The, the Last Jedi is it's a great movie, especially for shock value on the first viewing. But it, it is a movie that probably does require multiple viewings if you really want to sink your teeth into it anyhow. But if you want to just go as a moviegoer, it still does the trick. Yeah, I you know I don't know how I feel about that because yes, the La- the Last Jedi absolutely requires that you see it more than once, and then certain things either sink in and work for you, or they don't. But I I don't know how I feel about a movie that you absolutely need to see more than once. And it well another another thing another thing too is that. When people start throwing out perspectives, uh, again, people start to get defensive in the sense that, <clears throat> you know, well, have you thought about it from this angle? And I, I kind of love that. Like, I'm getting thrown these tidbits here and there all over the internet from all kinds of people with these these views and these takes. And I'm like, man, when you look at it like that, that's incredible. Oh, wow, I've never really kind of seen it from that angle before. So when people who are kind of against the film or approached in that regard. It's almost like they feel attacked. 
Like, oh, like of course I've seen that. I thought about that. Like, you think I'm stupid or whatever, you know? But, uh, I don't know. I think the, the film has kind of suffered from that in a way. Like, on, on both sides, again, not necessarily people just throwing fuel in the fire, but people supporting the film as well have pushed people who were kind of on the fence off the fence. Yeah. I, 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 in the history of social media, I don't know that anybody has ever had their mind changed from their original stance. I mean, it's, for all, I mean, for all the good that social media does, it can also do the opposite, right? Like I said, people just dig in, and you can't tell me differently. I'm, I'm now. I think it's worse because you tried to convince. Like it's, it gets a little bit silly, but yeah, I, I think Snoke's legs makes a good point. Uh, a lot of fans were squirming after their first viewing, but again, Star Wars is lucky enough that fans, for better or worse, you know, whether that makes us suckers or not. Uh, or patient enough group to sit through a movie multiple times, two, three, four, ten times going to see a movie in order to, to digest it and make decisions about how you feel about it. That's a lot of money to put into a cinema just trying to figure out whether or not you like a movie. Well, and that, that's, that's kind of good cinema in a way too. Like when there's so many layers to the onion, like it's, it's makes good for good storytelling yeah i, su- yeah, I really. suppose and it, well, i mean and there are those that just want star star wars to be simple good guy versus bad guy bad guys win good guys win that's how this goes but uh, this movie certainly isn't that <laughs> i mean in the end it is good versus bad and it tried to be a little bit of gray in between but th- this movie yeah you, this there is more i think to peel away in this movie. But isn't it this weird undying devotion that we all... Anybody who's listening to a Star Wars podcast certainly has that undying devotion. That they'll stick with a movie and give it more than a fair chance. And either you'll you'll come to love it and it becomes part of your life. Or if you don't love it so much, well, you'll st- you're still going to buy it. And you're still going to own it and still talk about it. You just won't revisit it that often. It is weird, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. But anyway, as, as for people that have cut themselves off from the film, uh, Snoke's legs, if, you're, if your ears work, I would say that's fine. That's life. Whatever. <laughs> the things that worked for you and me doesn't work for others, and that's okay. And there's a case of... Um, there's one prominent Star Wars Instagrammer who, after a few viewings, decided that he hates The Last Jedi so much, he finds it such an affront to all things Star Wars, that he's sworn never to post anything The Last Jedi related ever again. That's it. He's done. And he's he's kind of refocused his intentions of, of his Instagram account, which centered around mostly vintage, vintage Star Wars toys anyway, but now that's it. He's done. He That's all his account is going to be for. And from now on, he's... that The OT is where his... That's Star Wars for him. He wasn't big on the prequels. He's definitely not big on the sequels, and he's he's kind of disavowed himself from The Last Jedi. He's completely disowned it, and he's all OT. That's going to be his pocket of Star Wars, his safe zone for Star Wars. That's it. I don't know. That, uh, different strokes, I guess. In, in this age of social media, yeah. you it, it's really difficult to get someone to, to come back from either side. But yeah, I, I, I believe that there are rewards in The Last Jedi for... for you know, if you if you stick with it and 
you know, I guess you have to, again, you have to kind of expose yourself to it a bunch of times. There's, there's a lot of gold in there and it, it won't land for everybody and that's okay. But I, again, like one thing Star Wars fans are, is a little overly sensitive at times. We're like, we, we lord over these movies, right? Like, like protective parents. And we just, we see, almost have this need to convert anyone who doesn't like them the way we do. And we don't have to do that. We just don't. I mean, no, but it's true. But like in a, in a typical conversation, like, my best friend hated the movie, and subsequently, I've I've talked to him about it. Like, granted, I haven't had a chance to really sit down with him, but there's certain things that, you know, we're talking about it, and I'm like, yeah, but did you did you look at it from this perspective or this angle? And he was kind of like, no. And he's like, that is kind of cool. But for him, it was, like, it was yeah, the, the humor ruined it. And there's sometimes it just takes one thing to ruin the movie. Like, look at the prequels when when you talk about the Phantom Menace. For a lot of people, it's one one guy ruined the whole movie for them and ruined the whole trilogy for them, even though he's barely in it by the end. Even the gun rays, the gun rays right away. Like I was actually in the theater with my best buddy, the same guy I was just talking about. And when the gun rays started talking, I was like, oh, I kind of looked at him. I was like, "Hmm, (laughs) what's happening? I have a bad bad feeling about this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I, I. social media being what it is and you talk about the mob mentality people do get swept up in some of the ridiculous criticisms that were hurled at the movie and that that did feel the hate once it's like once people start hurling comments at one another too yeah that's where it starts getting like polarized yeah it starts getting ridiculous like there was I've I've gone through these phases where I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna stick out, stick with my Commonwealth folks, and even if we disagree, I know that it it won't get stupid. And there have been other times where I'm like, oh, let me just wade into these waters over here. Ooh, a lot of idiots here. Let's just poke this bear, and I'll just say something stupid to this one guy, and I know it'll tweak him. But are you paid by Disney? <laughs> and sometimes That's I get a little sad. kick out of that too. So I've I've been going through this this these weird cycles. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's there's some stuff that's just been idiotic, in my opinion. Like the the Ray's overpowered thing is idiotic. Um, the criticisms thrown at at the Rose character that she's just nothing there. She serves no purpose other than just being like a, a mouthpiece for uh, social justice matters, or people who give Vice Admiral Holdo the the label of uh, Vice Admiral Gender Studies. Like I have zero time for that garbage. And then Ryan Johnson and Kelly Marie Tran getting harassed, like that's that's way too far. Yeah, like that. Like, get a grip, man. Like seriously, if you didn't like the film, deal with it. Like, Lo- yeah, if that's just, your way of yeah, dealing with log it. Log off. Like... <laughs> there's there's healthy ways to voice your criticisms, and there's there's stupidity. And a lot of once once you get down to that, where you just can't handle the idea of a lot of women for at the forefront check out man maybe you, a lot of people like to say oh star wars is for everybody and then when they start making star wars for everybody people start complaining about it just check out man it's a feminist agenda man yeah piss off take your punch card put it in the clock go back to the ot and just stay in that little bubble with the instagram guy that's okay that's okay if that if that's your safe zone power to you just keep the stupidity off off the internet Anyway, at the end of the day, what, what I guess what I'll have to 
my bottom line on this is that the film doesn't owe you or anybody anything. And you or fans don't owe the film anything other than your honest assessment. That's it. That's what it boils down to. Anything else for you on that, Corey? Uh, no, I'm just saying, you know, again, keep it real. Let's have a discussion about it again. If you didn't like it, that's fine. So, you know, sometimes I, I might mention a thing or two, and I don't mean to come off as condescending and saying, have you looked at it from this light or have you looked at it from that light? And I'm interested in hearing why people didn't like it. And again, I haven't liked every tidbit of this film either. There are a lot of things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way that took me out of the film. But the greater way by far outweighs the bad. And having partaken in the d- discussions, I've grown to love the film much more from hearing other people's perspectives. Well said. All right, Snoke's Legs. Thanks for the email, sir. <laughs> I appreciated that. Yeah, it kind of gives me the most kind of awesome visual. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyways, you can follow Snoke's Legs at Snoke Legs. Snoke's Legs. All right. We have another contact here from Aaron. Hi, guys and gals. Love the podcast. The passion of the pros. My question, I know it's early, and predicting theories doesn't always end up helping watching the next film, as we found out in The Last Jedi, but what are your predictions for how they will close off Episode Nine, and specifically how to tie all the films together? My theory is very simple, that Rey starts a new Jedi Academy, and this is how we come full circle, from prequel to sequel trilogy, The Fall and Rise of the Jedi Order. Happy to be wrong, and happy to hear your thoughts. Keep up the amazing work. May the force be with you always from Aaron. All right, Aaron, thanks for writing in. And Corey, this is this is tough, man. Like I've, I've, I, I still feel like I have no clue where nine is going. But what do you say? First of all, everyone, anyone listening, speculate, speculate away. That's half the fun of it, man. Like we did it for two years. Uh, let go of your ego if that's what it is, like whatever it is, it's fun to speculate. If it doesn't go the way you think, great. Like, you know, just don't uh, become so buried and locked in your own head cannon. You know, like again, to me that that's what makes it so fun. Like hearing people talk about like their speculation, their theories and oh man, I haven't thought about that. And like, wow, that's deep. That makes so much sense. That's so cool. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. That's that's fine. I'm I'm really kind of pretty much in line with with him. Now I don't necessarily know if coming into this film that we're gonna have Ray, because personally I do think there's gonna be a, some kind of a time jump in this movie. Could even be years. We don't know. Uh, I don't necessarily know if we that Ray's going to have a Jedi order established as of yet. I think it would be kind of weird to see like a little, you know, Robin figure, if you will, in this movie, uh, the series got to be centered on her. You know, if she has an apprentice, it can kind of take away from her. You know, if the apprentice dies to further her character, like I, I see it still be more focused on her, but I do agree in the sense that I, I see a Jedi order by the end of this film arising or not, maybe not necessarily a Jedi order, but the intention I think of a one. Lot, 
not even necessarily like I just see there's a lot uh, of talk of the yin and the yang. So I think the the connection between Kylo and Rey, there's something more there, something truly special. <laughs> and if you look at it from this regard, the prequel trilogy was like you'd said, the fall of the order. And it's dark. The OT is the rise and the return of the Jedi. It's all light. This sequel trilogy, if it's to be the last one in this Skywalker saga, should bring the balance. And I think that does have a lot to do with Kylo and Rey being at the complete opposite polarizing ends of the Force. They can somehow bring the balance. I don't know how to say it, but... In the long run, it can usher in a new era of prosperity and force usage and a new Jedi Order can arise and end the Skywalker dynasty. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, just to go back to what Aaron said at, at the outset. Yeah, I mean, getting too attached to theories and expectations, as we've seen, it, it's, it's def- it can definitely be detrimental when you sit down in the movie theater and it plays and you go, this is not what I had in mind. <laughs> this is not what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. I don't like this. Um, yeah. Anyway, people can, are obviously free to form their own opinions, but I think when you get upset that your head cannon didn't come true, that's not the movie's fault, you know? Um, but I, I, something that Aaron has suggested and it's it's genius. And it's having a title, something like The Order Falls, or something like that, obviously not those three words, but uh, having The Order in the title without specifying whether it's First Order or Jedi Order, I think is genius. That's something that's that would keep us talking from the minute that the, the title's announced. Yeah, I remember. I, I kind of mentioned that when we... Wolf. Probably... Like, maybe in a year ago, like before we had any idea of the titles, we were throwing episode titles back and forth. And I think it was, uh, oh man, I said something with order in it, like the order of something. And it was like a double entendre in a way, you know, like you be different ways of looking at it. Well, you're, you're a stable genius, Corey. Yeah, man. <laughs> thanks. Just like Aaron. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to say what nine will entail. Like I, I, again, I have no idea what they're going to do. I, I can't even begin to formulate ideas. And I, I don't even know. I don't know if they're going to do a time jump or stay put. I don't even know what I want. Like, Sir, I'd like to see Kylo to have kind of established himself as a leader, bad guy. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Ray, you know, progress in her training and, but who knows? Maybe it does need to all happen quickly. But regardless, I do see uh, Kylo and Rey kind of being, I don't know, she's like the gatekeeper to his key master minus the, the sexual innuendo. Like together they can bring this balance. Yeah, I don't That's kind of unsatisfying though. I mean, the bad guy's got to get get his, right? Yeah, it depends. Who knows what his ultimate goal is? Like, he wants to follow in his father's footsteps, right? Like, even Vader, it's not like Vader's ultimate goal was like, 
destroy everyone, kill the galaxy, chaos reigns. Like, he wanted, like, a certain strict regimented, like, rule of order and justice, really. It's just it kind of all went to the wayside. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he put all his faith in the Empire and the Emperor that, no, this guy's actually right. The Jedi were crooked. Uh, Kylo wants to burn everything down. So I, he, he's not going to stop, I don't think. He, he's he's going to be hellbent on either killing Rey or continuing to want to corrupt her. But if you skip to the end of Nine, so what, are we going to have an eradicated First Order, no more Kylo, victorious resistance, and a new New Republic, and Rey popping up a Jedi Order? Like, is that where this is going to go? Which is, I mean, that that is pretty much the ending of Jedi, right? Yeah, kind of, but it could be in a different light now, uh, looking back, knowing and intentionally that Ray does have the books from the tree. Hopefully there's some kind of tidbit that she could pinpoint and pick out in there. These certain little things where, again, where we've talked about this hundreds of times where the Jedi that we know from the prequels kind of got it wrong and there was something lost in translation and we're going back to this prime Jedi. Uh, like when you see that mosaic, like you had mentioned, it literally looks like a yin and a yang thing. Like you see the dark and the balance, like, like, you know what I mean? There's the dark side, the light side, and a bit of both in between. It looks like a yin and a yang symbol. It sure does. So, so who knows all this knowledge that probably got lost over the years and, uh, the force belongs to no one, you know, like Luke learned that maybe he learned it much later on in life. Yeah. But, I think I think he did. Yeah, like, I think he did learn that much later. Certainly after episode six, for sure. Uh, again, but I, I, I don't, I don't know that I want to skip years ahead to a point where uh, what's left of the resistance suddenly have the help of some ragtag fleet, like all the people that didn't answer in the Last Jedi, suddenly answered, like suddenly they're at their side. Like I, I, I don't know that I want to jump ahead to that point where it's. it's I think a nice a nice lead in to the movie kind of would be uh like a city street where you see kind of see someone running like a spy like and that spy gets a message to some someone like a hand message you know and you can kind of see the network that they've formed at that point like the message gets to finally like Ray Poe and Finn wherever they are in their in their new established underground resistance or rebellion kind of you know yeah, I suppose. I could so see it in my head. I, I want to see General Dameron. General General Finn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I don't want to see just suddenly suddenly the the dozen or so survivors have the shelter of this fleet, have this help. I, I don't want to see that as a starting point. And I don't want to see, you know, I don't want us to cut to Rey on some planet and she's got a Jedi order propped up based on the books. Don't want to see that yet. I, I don't, yeah, I definitely like, don't want uh, Leia, Leia's to, death to be addressed in the scroll, in the opening crawl. Don't want that. No, please God, no. Uh, and you know, like since Johnson went to the extent of like raising the, the resistance to the ground, I, I, I kind of want to see what they do next. I want to know what those desperate 12 people on the Falcon do next. And that would mean that this trilogy yes. ends up being something that takes place over a very short time period, like days or maybe a couple weeks. But 
That's true. Could I go, go either way, like you said, like end it quickly with those twelve people, or if they don't, then it has to be them kind of re- rebuilding. And Luke even tells them, like today, the the rebellion's reborn. And the, once that legend of Luke Skywalker kind of starts spreading throughout the galaxy too, it's going to be like wildfire, you know. Hopefully, more and more people do come on board. Those people that were unconvinced can now sense that spark of hope in a way. What he did, his sacrifice. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I I, I just want to see this to start episode nine. I just I want to see what the, this group of survivors do next, or at least have a very strong idea of what they've done. Like I don't want to be five years down the line and like you said it's 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 general dameron and i I don't know that i want to skip that far ahead you know i could i could deal with maybe a couple months or maybe even one year but beyond that i think you're missing you're leaving too much you're leaving all kinds for for novels and stuff but they gotta have some kind of base of operations set up that's not gonna take uh it's gonna take more than a couple months (laughs) Oh, they can. Yeah, that's easily addressed. Oh, there's another secret base out there. There's another crate. Like, yeah, but they're twelve. Like you said, there's like a ship full of people. Leia's full of secrets. Leia's got tons of info. Even in the the Storms of Crate book, they listed off a few places that they could go check out. That's true. I don't think all the the entire re- resistance was with them too. I think there were people out on a scouting party or something somewhere else. No. Yeah, Snap was out there, and that maybe that's that's JJ's thing. Yeah, JJ is bringing him back, my buddy. Uh, that, that, that could I mean, that that could easily be it. That could easily be what JJ's done. He's he takes Snap Wexley and brings him back into the fold, saying, "I've been out in X pocket of the galaxy. I've made contact. Let's go check these guys out." And they rendezvous with with Snap and some new friends. That could be the easiest starting point. But uh, Aaron asked us about the end point of the trilogy. And it's got to it, it's got to serve a bunch of purposes, the, you know, not the least of which has to be it's got to be a satisfying movie. We've got to go to this movie and walk out and go, damn, that was fun. Yeah, fun and you said satisfying and with a conclusion. Hopefully, I don't, I hope it's not J.J. Abrams ambiguous. Like I, I don't mind the broom boy kind of ambiguity. But I'd like to have some kind of resolution in this in this saga. I mean, come on, it's nine films. If you were gonna do this next three, please have a point to the end of this all. And to me, again, I I really do like looking at it as first trilogy dark, second trilogy light, this trilogy balance. I think it makes a lot of sense from a storytelling perspective. Yeah, and maybe I think Ray ends up being the embodiment of balance. I don't I don't think Kylo survives the movie. But I think, you know, when when they touch or do their force bridging thing, she can be that singular person by taking pieces of him with her. I got you there. I like that. And so she 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 has to juggle both of the, those things with, you know, because like he, he will actually be a part of her in, in some kind of way. Not that he's. I like that. <clears throat> See, now you're now you got your thinking. Because I got to kill Kylo. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be, they got to kill this, this SOB, this emo SOB. There's got to be, he's got to go down in flames. I, I don't know. I'm still not convinced of that at all. Like, even though he's the main baddie, I, I still, Ray's so compassionate. I could still see her 
fighting for him and in the long run him still doing something that ah she slammed the door like in, his, the, in her face literally she said she said until the next time no she didn't she said now nah, we're done here and she closed the door on him and we, we heard leia say my i know my son is gone of course luke replies with not, no one's ever really gone but i mean with kylo's actions the words he has said no mercy, no prisoners, kill everybody. Like, he's gone, man. He's, I don't think he, this guy's not interested in being redeemed. He's, he was never interested in, in redemption. I, I, I think Adam Driver would, uh, not agree with you. Uh, maybe he wouldn't. Remember, those, those were his exact words. Like, like, you know, if there was no redemption, like, not necessarily even redemption, but kind of doing the right thing at the long run, but for his own means and ends too. When you see what his own motivations are, and then they're not necessarily maybe burning everything to the ground. Like maybe he does see this opportunity to like balance the force and like kind of like, yeah, I'm down with that. Like, like end this shit. Well, he does want to end it. The Jedi, the Sith, end it all. But I, I, I feel like he... As long as he's in charge and he's got all the power, he doesn't care about whatever's left. I don't know. It's 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 so tough to talk about this movie at this point. We know absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. What would be your preferred way to see him go down? Um, skewered by by Ray. Uh, shot down. By Poe. What do you want to see for Kylo? Well, he's definitely the kind of character that ends up killing himself in a way. Where Ray's trying to save him and... Ugh. Still. Even Ray's still trying to save him still at the last minute. And, see, know, this, it was his own it's almost, fault. This is almost like we're talking like this... This is, I think something we got to keep an eye on for this cycle. Is falling into the easy things. Like, Ray's still going to chip away and try and redeem him. I definitely don't think she's going to lop him in two or stab him through the heart. Or like I definitely think Ray's good, and she will kind of do that Luke Skywalker thing and be like, no, like, you're a good dude. Like, I don't want to fight you. Well, she, I mean, she's been good all the way through. She's always chosen the right, the light path. And maybe her, her being part of that balance is having a little bit more of that edge in episode nine where maybe she does have to kill somebody in cold blood. Yeah, maybe you're right. Like she can read those books hopefully and take a thing or two out of them. Well, I hope so. I hope she can read those books. Otherwise, why'd you take them? Oh man. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough to avoid defaulting to like the Jedi ending where the new government is set up with our heroes at the fore and the dark side vanquished and the light side sitting triumphant. I, it's, it's hard to get your mind around that, but I also think that encourages sort of, I'll use air quotes cause I don't mean it to be offensive, but it, it encourages sort of lazy thinking about where episode nine goes. It all kind of, I kind of, know it all mean. kind of just points to the same, same stuff we've seen before already. And if if the last Jedi taught us anything, it's it's that really nothing is safe anymore. 
There's no more sacred cows left in Star Wars. Like anybody can go, and the story can go anywhere. But Aaron, uh, stay tuned, stick with us, and we'll 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 continue to talk about this as as the months go on. Anything left to say there, Corey? No, that was actually a really good question, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy thinking about it. It's just I, I I kind of try and think about where it goes, and there's just it's just a void. I got nothing to pull on at this point. Yeah, it's, it's never too early, and again, until we see a trailer, I'm probably going to be on this beat as well. The whole balance beat and uh, Ray and Kylo both being like uh, keys to this progression of the Force or whatever it is. All right. Again, Aaron, thank you, sir. And finally, wrapping it up, some jiving with Jeffrey. Time for some Seinfeld Star Wars silliness. Jerry, George, Kramer, and Elaine had a contest to see who was master of their domain. My question is, what would Ray, Finn, Poe, and Kylo have a contest on? It's a tough one, Corey. It is. You know, I thought about it for a while. And, you know, I only came up with one kind of good answer, I think. And I don't even know how good it is, but I, I think it's pretty good. Pretty spot on for these four characters anyway. But it's the... Basically the... Not to get into any kind of physical altercation. <laughs> that includes, like, assault or instigating and getting in a fight. The works. Any kind of physical altercation, you're out. Hmm. Uh, I feel like Ray loses that immediately. No, it's <laughs> Kylo too. Kylo's got a pretty short temper. He does. And and you know who knows? Poe's probably running his mouth off, and Finn, you know, he's probably either trying to escape or running away from someone too. Yeah, I guess he could paint all of those guys as instigators, and people could easily end up in a scrap. That's that's not bad. Um. And what about some kind of like piloting contest in which Finn loses loses immediately? Yeah, I don't know. It's got to be something that's almost out of their own control, right? So I just thought the like I was thinking more about like Finn running in the Force Awakens and getting just smashed in the face by Rey with her staff. You could almost you know bend this into like some sort of Force use contest because somehow Finn believes that he can tap into the force. You know, like that's not how the force works. Like he just believes crazy things out of, out of misinformation. I, I think you could do something there with that, which would be funny because he would just keep trying and failing because he has no clue what he's doing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What else you got? Yeah, that's, I'm trying to think of another good one right now, but you got to be kind of true to the characters, and that's the only one that really came up that, that, that felt right to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, like, like, stretch it out, and, like, I, I honestly think, like, the physical altercation thing made a lot of sense to me, because, you know, you wait see minute, Poe wait beat minute. up Since a lot. Since when did you ever have a problem with stretching the boundaries of a question? Well, it's got to, you still got to remain true to the characters. That's the thing. Like, so for all four of these characters, it was kind of hard. Like, who? I don't know. I don't know either. I like the, that's a tough one. Because, like, the physical altercation thing, again, it's so out of their control, again, you know, like any one of them could be jumped at any moment. 
Uh, Kylo again, he's got a temper, like choking people, and you know, raise, you know, raise Ray. People are after her. Finn's Finn, like, <laughs> and Pose again. He's got a big mouth. Okay, so if these characters actually embarked on the actual contest, master of their do- their domain, who's who's the first one out? Poe. I I see Finn is out first. No. I think yeah I think I I'm pretty sure Finn's out first and Poe's out next. And I think yeah, I, I think know. Kylo wins because Finn I seem to be more a little more innocent. So that that would kind of make it funny though. Like I see what you're saying there, but I just kind of see Poe coming and be like, yeah, you guys know me. Like, ah, there's no way I could have lasted. Like, ha <laughs> like, I suppose. All right, Poe Poe's out first. But then it's Finn, and I, I, I think it comes down to Ray and Kylo, and what? Kylo I think could go forever. Ah, to her too. I think it's abstinence, chastity. Well, I don't know if it's any of those things. I think just Kylo is is more can easily re- more easily repress his feelings. <laughs> just gotta, he's just gotta hike those pants up a little higher. Yes, yeah, cinch that belt around his his midsection a little tighter. And there you go. You got a winner. All right, that's it. I'm exhausted. Yeah, man, it's late. It's late. We did it. We did it again. We went super long again. All right, everybody. That's it for episode 109. So ads, Bradley, Katie, Nathan, Snoke's legs, both of them, Aaron and Jeffrey. Thank you all so much. It was great to hear from you guys this week. And um, geez, for this week for the powerful friends, we've got another edition of Worthy of Recognition. Feels like it's been a while since we've had one. But we have Steve from San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast joining me. Yeah! I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to start speaking with Steve, and it should be a, a really great episode. And if you want to be one of the powerful friends and be on Worthy of Recognition yourself, uh, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash tumblingsaber, where for just a couple bucks a month, you'll get the exclusive Sith Disturbers podcast, Worthy of Recognition, Journals of the Willing, uh, and as well as access to our giveaways, access to our new- our newsletter, and whatever else we're working on. So yeah, there you go. Patreon.com slash TumblingSaber. Become a powerful friend and open up your Star Wars fandom to a ho- whole bunch more stuff. Uh, and also, it's a new week, so as I like to say, I don't know many things in this world, but I do know that our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth are going to knock it out of the park again this week. So go to StarWarsCommonwealth.com or just search on iTunes for Star Wars Commonwealth and subscribe to those shows and uh, enjoy. Thank me later. And and also a big thanks to Stubaka again, man. That was one of the most awesome things, man. Like ever. Absolutely. Epic. Absolutely. And, and a belated happy birthday to Dan Solo, our friend. Hope you had a great weekend with some Star Wars vintage goodness. And with that all being said, Corey, Actually, you know what? Let's and that's all. Let's also take a minute here to uh, pump James and Ads show an unexpected yep. podcast all about Tolkien. If you've ever thought about getting into Tolkien, but maybe were a little intimidated by the amount and uh, how complicated it's it can be, this is a great time. They're at episode two. They're just getting into the Silmarillion, just starting now. So go to go search Podbean for an unexpected podcast, or just, you know, we're all friends here. You guys know us. Check out James and Ads. Follow the links. 
You can also find that on our Facebook page. And uh, go go check out Tolkien. It's a great time to get on board. And uh, all right, now, Corey, now we can do our Twitter handles. Where where can people find you? Well, Kyle, you can find me at Chop Rules with a Z. There you go. And I am at Tumbling Saber across the board. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Come check us out. Come talk Star Wars with us. And if if you have a minute or two to spare, please head over to Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. Leave us a review. Help us get some more people uh, exposed to the show so we can grow things a little bit wider and deeper. And that's it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for your time and your thoughts and your emails and everything else. Dubaka, high five, buddy. Love you, man. And uh, that's it. We're looking forward to talking to you all on social media. Have yourselves a great week, and we'll speak to you later. I'm waiting